here on this Monday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us here on Three and Out. So much to get to. We'll chat with Brooks Austin as he joins us every Monday from Dogs Daily on SI. Also, Dane Young, UGA Sports. Com. Will join us, Drew DeArmond of 97.7 ESPN Radio in Huntsville will join us. We'll talk about uh, Bryce Young becoming the first Alabama quarterback to ever win the Heisman Trophy. And Matt Smith, Southern Pigskin, will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. But coming out of the NFL weekend, the Jags uh, lose again. And certainly it's been more about what's not happening uh, in and around that Jaguars football team than what's happening on the field. And uh, joining us here, former Jacksonville Jaguar defensive end uh, Ryan Davis joins us here on 3 and Out. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate you coming on. And uh, certainly all the talking points around uh, Jacksonville right now are about Urban Meyer and uh, kind of how potentially he's lost control of the, the, the locker room from the outside. What do you see when you look at the Jaguars right now? Yeah, I don't see any uh, – I don't see a team, honestly. I don't see no togetherness. Um I don't. I don't really see a unit when I look at them. Um, you know, I kind of at the end of the game yesterday, uh, you can see him shake hands with with Vrabel at the end. He kind of looked just uh, like out of it. Like he, you know, he was kind of sleepwalking a little bit at the end of that game. So um, that's that's and that reflects how this team looks. Like they're just going through the motions and um, you know not really into it. So um, yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good right now. And Ryan, if you're if you're on this team, I mean, given that a head coach sometimes set sets the tone for a team with his outlook, his perspective, his mindset, right. uh, what what can you do? What do you do if you're in a situation where the head coach just doesn't seem to be it right now? I mean, you got to talk to your vets on the team. You know, um, you got to talk to those guys. I don't know who the vets. I mean, the the the, the guys that we talked to on this squad, but in, in my time, it probably would have been Mercedes Lewis and Derek Marks, uh, Roy Miller, Paul Puss, Love, and guys like that. You know what I'm saying? You got to go to the cap, uh, you know, the quote unquote captains of the team and, you know, uh, have a team meeting, It'd be even a players only meeting type thing to kind of get this thing rolling. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it goes, I mean, the team goes as the coach goes. If, if, you know, if he's out of it or, you know, not really focused, and that's how that's the team is going to look like that. So um, it is it's real sloppy right now. So I hope you know, um, you know, I hope something's done. You know, so this won't happen um, long term for real. And Ryan, obviously, professionalism is the main thing, but uh, respect is everything. When you talk about the National right. Football League, and when you think about the. You know, you think about Urban Meyer calling his assistant coaches losers and kind of like trying to make it seem as if, like, he's better than everybody else on the team. Talk about the importance of understanding you dealing with grown men now. This ain't Ohio State. You know, this this ain't Florida no more. Right. Yeah, uh, about that. Yeah, that that was wild for me to, to read. Um, yeah, you can't call out your coaches, you know, and talk about resumes. Um, and then you want them to go out there and coach and – you know, you know, be on your side. That it doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? And aren't these the guys that he handpicked to join the staff? So I, I don't understand why he would go at the coaches like that and um in that meeting. And and besides that, it's you know he it's the NFL. It's not college. <laughs> so that that resume is, is good in college, but now he's got a clean slate. You know what I'm saying? So you took the job. You hired these guys. You got to do your job and get this team rolling. Everything's going to fall on you. So, and you know, him calling out coaches like that, yeah, 
that's the quickest way to lose anybody behind you. You know, the, the, you can lose your coaches, your players, your front office, all of that. So I don't think that was a smart move by him uh, doing that. You know, I believe in tough coaching and, you know, criticizing and um, being able to, uh, you know, take criticism and give it. But that right there, that wasn't it, you know. Um, so that was really disheartening to hear. And, um, you know, I think um, – I think Shaq is going to have really, uh, you know, some hard decisions to make towards the end of the year. I was going to say, Ryan, how do you get that back uh, once some of this stuff is out of there? And you know, <clears throat> you know, Urban Meyer saying, "Hey, if anybody's leaking stuff, well, they're going to be looking for another job." I mean, a lot of that stuff kind of, kind of, as you said, gives you insight into maybe where the locker room's at. How do you even begin to get that back? And you talked about, you know, Shaq Khan saying, "Maybe I need to make some decisions." I mean. Seems like the way this thing's headed, some decisions are going to get made for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he can get them back because it's too far gone. It's too late in the season, and it's been too much stuff this year. You know what I'm saying? It's been chance after chance, time after time. It's been a, it's been a drama-filled year. So, you know, yeah. That I mean, I don't know if you can get that back. You know what I'm saying? And and honestly. If you know it, it uh, the whole process would move along a lot quicker if Trevor was to voice his opinion and you know say anything about uh, what he wants. You know what I'm saying? Because I believe, you know, I believe that he really has the keys uh, to our future. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence does. So if Trevor is, you know, has a meeting or is outspoken about something and voices his opinion uh, to. Uh, the GM or shot or anything like that. I think I think they're gonna do what he, you know, he wants. You know what I'm saying? Because he is the guy. You know, what I'm, and I hate that he's going through all of this, but it's it's, it's good. He's going through his growing pains right now, um, but at the same time, you don't want him. You don't want this whole saga to kind of you know affect his confidence moving forward. So um, hopefully, something's made, something's done, and uh, decisions are made um, for the betterment of this squad. Ryan, what's going through your mind if you're if you're James Robinson and you had a thousand yards as a rookie and uh, recently you just haven't gotten the ball? I know you've had uh, a fumble issue or two there, but are you are you asking more questions than you have answers? I guess at this point, if you're one of the best players on the team in James Robinson, most certainly I would be. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> dang, it's been a lot of stuff this year, huh? I, I didn't even think about James Robinson, the, the James Robinson uh, fiasco. But um, yeah. I mean, you gotta ask questions. You know, it's I don't understand. Did you already have six touches Sunday, and then he got like in the uh, the week before that, he put him in towards the end of the game. Um, and, and watching him interview with those guys, uh, watching James Robinson interview, and how he was so humble and cool about it. Um, you know, that kind of threw me off a little bit because I was, you know, I was just. I was upset. I'm like, dang, I feel bad for this guy. You know, he deserves better. I think I tweeted that. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of head scratching going on, um, and then some questionable stuff. James Robinson has been nothing but good. He's been professional. Um, he stays to himself. He's not in trouble. Works hard. I mean, I mean, what more can you ask for in, the, in, the, in a guy like James Robinson? So I hope that uh, none of this leaves a sour taste in his mouth and he, you know, tries to go anywhere afterwards. But you never know, man, because guys got to look out and do what's best for them in the end. So, um, you know, hopefully we can feed him the rock. But in the same breath, you know, it's, you know, James going to have some decisions to make too. I think I think this is last year on, on, on that, 
deal, I think. So we'll see. Marvin Jones, it was it's reported that he walked out. Uh, they had they had to go out. Some of the uh, some of the assistant coach had to go out there and ask them to come back. And it goes back to this thing about Urban Meyer. He's respected because he's a head coach, but respect to him as a man and his decision making is different. Ryan, talk about the fact too. Like when you in the NFL, people don't get. Look, I respect my boss, but my boss needs to respect the fact that I'm the one out there on the field got to go and practice and do these things. And all he's doing is calling plays, calling people losers behind closed doors. Yeah, when you lose, I mean, when you when you lose respect for somebody, or when a player loses respect for a coach in any in any type of way, it's it's, it's pretty much a wrap, you know. Um, and I mean, you can see it. That's what's happening now. That's what's unfolding. He got to respect guys as a as a man first and foremost. You know, he's not asking you to like him or hang out with him or do anything like that. But if there's not a respect factor shown first then guys are not going to play for you. Free agents aren't going to want to come and sign here. Um, you know, that's just not going to happen. You know, word of mouth travels fast around the league, you know. So guys don't respect, you know, who they're playing for. They're not going to play hard. They're going to lose every – and the only incentive that they have to play is to get good stuff on film. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to be, they're going to be more to themselves and more self. It's not saying that Jones is – but that's just how it is when you lose respect for somebody. You're not going to care about, you know, the whole team thing. And then, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, I mean, it's, it's, it's real tough, and they got a lot of work to do. Again, you look at uh, this, this Jaguars team, and if you have another week or two weeks the way you've had, does, do you think they even make it to the end of the season without making some kind of change? Um, I... Personally, I don't, I don't. I think they don't make it to the end of the season, especially if it's like this um, another week or two. Um, but you know, that, I mean, that's just you know my opinion. So, sure. I, I, however it plays out, you know, it has to be, it has to be a firm and, and quick decision. I mean, if he chooses to keep him, but he has to, you know, man, he got to. I don't know. It's just a whole bunch going on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a mouthful to kind of get through. Um, but I don't, I don't think so. If it, you know, if it, if it persists the next few weeks, I don't think they'll make it to the end of the season. Ryan Davis, former Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end, joining us here on Three and Out. Ryan, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And, and again, BJ Penn has been so much, as he said it a couple times here. It's just so much to process with Jacksonville and Urban Myers bringing some of that on himself. A lot of it is also you're looking at it and saying, with all that's going on, the team's not really getting a whole lot better. I know there's not a lot to work with, but I think there's one of those things like you can handle some off-the-field drama stuff if you can find a way to win a few games. They're not even doing that. So uh, this thing seems to be unraveling very quickly. Uh, yes, and you scored a grand total of zero points uh, against your rivals, the Titans, on on Sunday, and you didn't. I mean, I, I'm not a body language expert, but Urban Meyer, you know, coming across for the handshake, uh, didn't look very enthused at that point. I know some pundits have said, hey, you didn't really look into it on the sidelines, but you think about Urban Meyer, you go back to the Chris Doyle hire, you go back to, uh, you know, the fines with uh, organized team activities, you go back to uh, what you had after the game when you played Cincinnati, and you had that, that incident, and now you're calling assistant coaches 
losers and you know respected veterans are, are, are walking away uh, from practice. Mar uh, Marvin uh, uh, Jones here, uh, a wide receiver that's been around the league a long time, and now the James Robinson situation. I mean, it's been bad after bad after bad after bad. And I agree with you, Kevin. It it, it looks like it's unraveled uh, unraveled here here for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. I mean, BJ and Kevin, we don't even got to act as if this has anything to do with it. Like we we act like the industry has that has to do with it. it. We all work together every day. If I'm coming in every day calling everybody losers and I'm a winner, you're not going to want to deal with me. It, it's, it's not who is doing it. It's the fact that that's not how anything gets done. What makes Urban Meyer a winner at Jacksonville? Didn't you hire me saying, hey, prove your – I couldn't have been on that staff. You're not going to say, prove your resume to me. Who are you? Like, think, and, and the thing is, I, I'm letting one guy play because he played for me Ohio State. So if James Robinson would have played for Ohio State and Carlos Hyde wouldn't have, Carlos Hyde wouldn't be getting in the game and then – you got the nerve to be acting as if you made some good decisions. Tim Tebow, Chris Doyle, after the Cincinnati game. The reason why Nick Saban is back in, in, in uh, college is because he didn't win the, uh, you know, the, the uh, Drew Brees sweepstakes. You about to be back you know, in college or not in the NFL because you're dealing with grown men, and grown men don't handle uh, you know, uh, you know, nonsense that, that uh, Urban Meyer is uh, dealing with like that. Like they don't handle it well. But the fact that you, you're telling you're, I'm a winner, you're a loser. No, 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 no. What you tell yourself at home in the privacy of your own home, that's you are two and eleven right now. So I don't know, but I don't think I think Khan got to realize he made a mistake and they got to move on sooner rather later because you're trying to have a young team stay together. You will lose that team and potential free agents. We're still dealing with a guy like Urban Meyer. Yeah, we've got more to come here on three and out. A busy weekend in Athens is Dan Lanning. Uh, goes to Oregon to be the next head coach. Defensive coordinator says he's going to stick around uh, for the playoffs. We'll talk to Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SI about that and more when we come back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop. Georgia losing defensive coordinator Dan Lanning to Oregon. He becomes uh, the Oregon Ducks head football coach, and that was uh, just amazing to follow there on Friday Dan Lanning's going to Oregon. No, that's not happening. It's all made up in the next day. Dan Lanning's going to Oregon. Okay. And he said he is going to stay through the playoffs. Stay through the playoffs. And Coach Georgia, as long as they are still in it. And how do you think that affects Georgia moving forward? Uh, I know we talk about coaches who are like, hey, I took another job. Now I'm going to coach you in the playoffs and maybe they're half-focused because you have early signing period, which I guess for him is a wash at this point. But how do you think that affects Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think the preparation, the focus is obviously going to be there. I know he's had to go out to – or he's gotten the opportunity as a head coach to go out to Eugene and uh, introduce himself and, and, and have that first press conference. And I'm sure part of his attention is going to be dedicated to assembling a staff and uh, doing what you can on the recruiting front. But at the end of the day, he's, he's a pro. He's a professional. He's one of the best coordinators uh, in the country. And you also have Glenn Schumann on that staff. You also have Will Muschamp, of course, on that staff. I, I would be very surprised if there's a step back in terms of how prepared the team is or what the scheme looks like. Um, sure, if you if you you know had your choice, would you rather have a defensive coordinator that, that has nothing else going on? I, yeah, but this is a great opportunity for Coach Lanning, and I don't think it'll affect Georgia much. Now we have uh, Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SI. Joining us here on the program. And, Brooks, we just were talking about it. Dan Lanning, what kind of effect does that have on – Georgia preparation-wise, I know we see coaches take jobs and say, well, I'll stick with you through the bowl game or, in this case, the playoffs. Uh, how does that work with the kind of the split attentions there of Dan Lanning? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they do a good job of kind of dispersing, uh, you know, responsibilities throughout the year anyways. So, like, they're coached as a unit. I mean, yeah, you lose your defensive coordinator or your defensive coordinator may or may not be distracted, right? He's out in Eugene, Oregon right now. He's, he has his opening press conference today, this afternoon out there. So, is it a distraction? Yeah, 100% you have to believe that. That is a fact. But guys like Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp and, and Kirby Smart are more than capable of being defensive coordinators. To me, I think – the one specific room where I think this is a major, major change for them is that outside linebacker's room. Is that absorbed by Glenn Schumann or maybe Trey Scott? Which guy takes that room and takes over that position? Or do they allow a, 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 maybe an assistant or an off-the-field assistant to maybe potentially take that role if Landing's like out or, you know, consumed like he is right now? He's consumed by that Oregon job right now. Like I said, he's in Eugene, Oregon right now, and they had practice yesterday afternoon. So... Is he balancing them correctly? I don't know. We don't know those answers. I guess we'll find out what the result looks like come January. Brooks, were you surprised at all by, by this hire this this quickly? You know, I honestly was. And here's the deal. Like, go, this offseason, I knew Dan Lanning was going to be fighting off. You know, coming into this year, I figured he was going to be fighting off job offers. Like, Georgia was going to have to do something to keep him or be okay with him leaving. But I thought it was going to be for, like, a Troy or a UAB or, or uh, a Sanford as a first-time head coach. Not Oregon. Oregon? We're talking like multi-million dollars, life-changing type of money uh, in a Power 5 job out there in the Pac-12 that sets up, in my opinion, I think like a top 5, top 10 job in college football considering the proximity to talent, um, the barrier to entry in terms of college football playoffs and things like that, and resources made available out there at Oregon. That's an incredible, incredible job and an opportunity for landing to, to take. So was I surprised? Not necessarily. I was surprised by the level and the caliber of job that he was offered as, you know, having no head coaching experience and being in his late 30s. Brooks, how much does a guy like Dan Lennon benefit from the way in which coaches are getting hired? They had to, they had to get a big yeah. hire. Mario Cristobal, he goes back to his Auburn Meyer, Miami. They couldn't get a guy – they can, they can get a guy that's never been a head coach, but it could have been a guy that nobody knew about. You knew that Coach yeah. Landing was not going to be in Georgia next year, right, Brooks? And so yeah. how much did he benefit from just the times in which coaches are getting hired? I mean, I think all these coaches are benefiting from this from the times that we're in right now, Ben. And I think that what the times are is new TV money coming our way. That, that those TV contracts are going to be up in the SEC. They're going to be up in the Big 12. They're going to be up in the Pac-12 and Big 10 before you can bat an eye. And that means – TV companies are going to be bidding against live rights for television uh, programming like football. And, guys, that, that that's going to be billion-dollar industries, billion-dollar uh, contracts for these TV deals. And that trickles down to each individual school along the Power 5 level. So you're seeing these schools start to predict and project a, a, a massive flush of income uh, and cash available. And that's, what's, that's where it's going. It's getting spent on coaches right now. Um, and soon it'll be spent on private jets for recruits or for recruiting. And soon it'll be spent on everywhere else. So the trickle down effect will happen. You'll get new locker rooms. But primarily right now, you get new coaching contracts for dang sure. Brooks, as you look at it, Dan Lanning obviously was going to be a hot name uh, as they get ready for the playoffs. And teams start to try to figure out their, their coaching situation. What about uh, Coach Monk and what about Will Muschamp? Are those guys that are getting approached? Are those guys that are looking to take another step? Uh, what, do, what do you think the, the coaching kind of carousel you know, looks like for the remainder of Georgia's staff? It's a great question, Kevin. And honestly, I think we learn whether or not Todd Munkin has aspirations to be a head coach again pretty quickly this offseason. If, 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 if Todd Munkin sticks around Athens for another year, I think we can feel pretty good 
about him maybe potentially setting roots down for the first time in his career. If you search through his Wikipedia, you will not see a longer stint than three, four, maybe five seasons. Five seasons tops. The guy does not get comfortable. He does not settle in. He doesn't stick around. So I think we're going to find out this offseason whether or not Todd Munkin wants to be a head coach again, whether or not he wants to go coach at a mid-major level and crawl his way back to being a, a predominant name in college football in terms of a head coach uh, candidate, things like that. He is very, very well respected among the football community, which means you're also going to have uh, head coaches that take jobs in the NFL when those uh, coaching circuits start to revolve around uh, or, or start to spin this offseason. You're going to have him fighting off NFL OC jobs as well. So we're, we're, I think we're going to see very, very soon how comfortable Munkin is sitting around as an offensive coordinator in Athens. I think the other thing is, what are they going to do a defensive coordinator? Do they promote Glenn Schumann? Because there's a lot of Saban guys and there's a lot of Kirby Smart guys roaming around at new jobs right now in college football. Billy Napier down there in Florida, got some Schumann ties. Uh, Mario Cristobal down there in Miami, got some Schumann ties. And now these guys are head coaches, and they got coordinator positions open. And, to, and Glenn Schumann is not a D.C. anywhere right now, but he's very, very highly coveted as one potentially. So it's either Georgia promotes him from within, or he might have to take some other jobs with some serious, serious consideration. Huge names in the transfer portal, obviously, including mm -hmm. former Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. Could Georgia yeah. be involved there? I think Georgia's going to kick the tires on just about everything and everyone that enters the NCAA transfer portal this year. Everybody, quarterbacks, running backs, linebackers, it don't matter. That is the, the nature of college football that we're in right now. Um, you're going to see programs like Georgia and Alabama save roster spots for guys <laughs> like Darian Kendrick, save roster spots for guys like Henry Toto, save roster spots for guys like Jamison Williams. Wherever the holes present themselves on this roster, come January, you'll see Kirby Smart get active and, and heavily involved in the transfer market and transfer portal at that point. Um, Tank Biggs being included. I mean, you, you, you got James Cook and Zamir White potentially leaving uh, this, this roster within the next, what, three months, four months. Um, and you've got uh, guys like Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton who – Let's be honest, they, they've kind of struggled at this point in their career to stay on the field, and they're not even getting the bulk of the carry, something that they're going to get asked to do next year. So, yeah, Georgia will certain, certainly kick the tires on Tank. Do Tanks have tires? I don't think Tanks have tires. <laughs> tanks have wheel, I don't know. wheels and tracks. Wheels and tracks. tracks I, I they'll, kick, they'll kick the tracks on Tank for sure. <laughs> And Brooks, uh, I, I know that uh, Georgia's going to be loaded at the quarterback position even in 2022, but with all these quarterbacks that seemingly in the transfer portal, does Kirby Smart even got to give it a look? Everyone, every time I'm telling you, if there is a, cal or a quality football player in the portal, I guarantee you they've had an assistant dig up some dirt and do some research on Spencer Rattler. It, it, it doesn't have to make sense to do your due diligence, okay? I think that's one thing that we, we've all learned from following the NFL and watching the NFL. Bill Belichick turns over every leaf. He turns over every stone. He researches every free agent, just like these guys will start doing with the portal. Every single player in that portal that Georgia thinks could maybe potentially help them, they'll do some research on them for sure. Speak to that end, Brooks. I know uh, Ben just mentioned the quarterback room. I, I would imagine nobody's going to say they're transferring out while Georgia's in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's yeah. – uh, but, but you... hey, No, you're, you're, you're right, Kevin. I, I think I know where you're getting at. You're going to see heavy participation. My Lord, I was trying to say precipitation. Sound like you're going to see some heavy, uh, you know, precip participation. Participation, yeah. Yes, from Georgia football players. My 
God. <laughs> it is Monday afternoon, that is for sure. Uh, yeah, you're going to see uh, a lot more activity in the portal from Georgia's end as well, uh, I project, this offseason. Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SIR Guest. Brooks, always a pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll have a lot of participation with you next week. How about that? Good Lord. <laughs> I need some I need some tongue weight loss. My there, tongue's too fat, there, guys. There you go. Brooks, we'll talk, we'll talk to you next week. See Brooks you, Austin joining us here at Dogs Daily on SI here on 3 and Out. A lot more to come. We'll chat with Dane Young. We'll continue talking Georgia football with him next here on 3 and Out. I'll be back here 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot happening around college football. Transfer portals going nuts. College coaching carousel still in, uh, in full revolution, there is uh, coaches going all over the place, including uh, Dan Lanning uh, going to Oregon. Joining us here, UGA Sports uh, .com's Dane Young joins us here on Three and Out. Dane, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, and I, I know you're having me on to talk college football, but I do want to give a congratulations to Benedictine for uh, the state championship. Though I should tell you uh, that this past summer I moved into a new house that we bought that's within walking distance of North Oconee High School. So some folks around here uh, may not enjoy that congratulations considering <laughs> that semifinal game down there. Yeah, I was going to say, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, we, we uh, had a good time uh, following them all year long, and uh, it was a great championship game there on Friday, which uh, to that end, uh, we were sitting there at the, uh, at the game on Friday, and we see, you know, Dan Lanning's going to Oregon. And then the immediate, nope, nope, that's not, that's not happening. It's – it's not true, and then followed up by what I believe the next day. Nope, Dan Lanning is going to Oregon uh, to be the uh, the next head football coach. Uh, talk about that move, and uh, a lot of people kind of seem surprised that uh, you know maybe he might have landed at a, a G five school or something, but head coach at one of the top eight or nine programs right now in college football. Yeah, it seems to be the trend, right, with coaching hires is that you want someone that's a little younger, uh, has a little bit of fire in the belly, and and has some quick experience it seems like these guys are getting jobs younger and younger as coordinators and so then they get head coaching jobs sooner than they ever have and uh you know landing that that's a really good job for him i, I think he'll have a good rivalry now with lincoln riley and, and usc the pac-12 needs a little uh, competition out that way after the last few years so you know i wasn't necessarily surprised that he took that job in particular um, you know, th to me, it was if he didn't take that when he was probably returning to Georgia, when you started looking at what's left out there on the board of, of places looking for head coaches. And, uh, you know, the reporting on it was interesting because it was pretty obvious that after the Atlanta Journal Constitution broke the story uh, and then it was denied on both sides, that maybe at least the timing of it wasn't something that either school wanted to discuss at that moment. And then, as you said, a couple of days later, here he is today in Oregon. So where does this leave the dogs in terms of preparation for the college football playoff? Yeah, you know, a lot of people are making comparison of, like, is this like when Kirby Smart was Georgia's head coach and Alabama's defensive coordinator at the same time? And in principle, that's the case, except Tuscaloosa and Athens, you can drive overnight or you can drive in the middle of the day and make it from one to the other. Uh, I don't see how Lanning is going to be going back and forth from Athens to Oregon efficiently. Uh, so I think he's going to have to, to do this differently than, than Kirby did. I will say that just in terms of what Georgia has um, in, in defensive coaches, you know, Kirby Smart leads that defense. Dan Lanning may call the plays, um, but I think once Dan Lanning is fully gone, that's probably Will Muschamp calling those plays and Glenn Schumann keeping his spot as co-defensive coordinator. Uh, Kirby Smart already said that co-defensive coordinator with uh, Muschamp and Schumann will be the case going forward. That was mainly to tell recruits that. 
what going forward means, I guess we'll all see. I anticipate that's probably going to be the case uh, next season and beyond. Isn't Georgia doing their job because of what happened with Dan Lanning? Like, if you think about Georgia and the brand and the brand of football they do on defense, if Dan Lanning was a defensive coordinator for 2022 for Georgia, that would be a bad look, wouldn't it? I, maybe, but, I mean, if he was waiting out for one of the, the big head coaching jobs, you know, you, you saw Brent Venables turn down a lot of different jobs. He claimed that he wanted to, to go to Auburn, or Auburn wanted him at one point. He turned it down, and Oklahoma was the spot for him. So it, could it be a bad look? I guess maybe a little bit, but it, would it be a worse look to have to go somewhere smaller than what he's capable of? Um, you know, I, I, I think Landing would have found a head coaching job sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, the, the the guys that are leaving from Georgia's defense after this season, it's a harder job in Athens next year than the one he currently has as defensive coordinator. That's for sure. So, Dane, how does this affect Georgia heading into the playoffs? Obviously, you have Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp. They've both been head coaches. They've both been big-time defensive coordinators. Uh, you got uh, Schumann there who's going to be co-defensive coordinator uh, during this time. Georgia's defense has been one of the most impressive units of the season in the entirety of college football. Is there going to be much of a change for these next two, three weeks leading up to the first round of the playoffs? Oh, the change needs to be in whatever they were trying to do against Alabama because that looked a bit foreign to me. There were things in rewatching the game and doing some of our film don't lie analysis on UGASports.com that I had not seen all year. I'm talking defensive tackles standing up and playing as if they're a spy. And if you're Jalen Carter and you're not pushing toward the pocket – that's a waste of your skills. And, and same thing uh, with Devontae Wyatt. Uh, Georgia's defense was scared, I think, of Bryce Young running, which is not a good scouting report because Bryce Young would much prefer to stand in the pocket and throw and wait until the last second. Scrambling is the last thing that he wants to do. Uh, but Georgia did not treat it that way. So I, I did not think that Georgia's most recent defensive performance is indicative of what can be possible here over the next six weeks. But there's some identity that, that Georgia needs to regain. Dan Lanning, uh, obviously going to Oregon, who Georgia opens up with next year, by the way. Uh, is there a chance that Lanning takes some other assistants or staff members from Athens to Eugene? And how fascinating will that season opener be next year? I don't know that it's going to be any on-field assistants that follow him. That's a, that's a long way for a lot of people and their families. It's possible um, initially, we we had heard maybe some murmurs about Trey Scott maybe being interested. That's been shot down at least for the short term. I mean, things change pretty quickly uh, in this scenario. I do think that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes staffers and quality control, defensive analysts, uh, those kind of positions that will follow. And that's that's pretty customary for these type of roles. And that's what Glenn Schumann did with, with Kirby Smart when he came to Georgia. In terms of that first game next year, uh, I, I think the questions will probably start already, right? If I think he's speaking at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 Central. I'm sure someone's going to ask Dan Lanning about that in that news conference. and I'm sure he'll have all the pleasantries, but you know, if anyone knows that roster, it's going to be Lanning. So uh, that, that's going to be an intriguing matchup for sure. Mel Tucker sets a record for the most money ever for African-American coach at you know what he's doing in Michigan State. Dan Lennon, new head coach uh, at Oregon. Is, uh, has uh, Georgia's defensive coordinator position become the it position now if you're talking about uh, who's going to be the next up for a head coaching job? Man, you know how this works. If you're in the NFL, you want to stand beside Bill Belichick because that's how you get paid. If you're in college football, you want to stand beside Nick, uh, Nick Saban, and, and Kirby Smart is now elevating himself into that conversation. If you're the guy that helps the guy, then you get paid eventually. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a destination position, but one that I think is going to get clogged up here a little bit 
um, because I, Will Muschamp seems pretty happy up here right now. I'm not sure that he's trying to do the, the climb to head coach once again, should he be a co-defensive coordinator with uh, Glenn Schumann. Now, Schumann may be trying to make that climb, so we may be having the same conversation in upcoming years. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, in terms of what that position means, I, I think it'd be the same way for Georgia's offensive coordinator, too. Which, by the way, I think there's a shot that this is not done. I don't think that Todd Munkin's taking a college job this year. But I have heard, uh, and this is not reporting this, that you start getting into some tension kind of stuff with the NFL. If there's an NFL team that wants to make Todd Munkin its offensive coordinator next year, uh, I think there's a chance that that could be a replacement that needs to be made. Wow, Dane Young, UGASports.com, joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. And, and, Dane, you look at Georgia getting ready for the playoffs. Obviously, transfer portal stuff is happening all over college football. And uh, you look at focusing on the task at hand versus some guys that are on the roster, maybe want to play for a championship, but might be also looking uh, to jump out. Do you expect Georgia to have some guys uh, enter that transfer portal? Obviously, could have a quarterback or so throw their name in there at some point. Absolutely. I fully expect Carson Beck will be transferring from Georgia after this season. Um, that's something I've been hearing for quite a while. Could he change his mind? Sure, that, that can happen. But uh, I expect he'll find his way back to the state of Florida in some capacity. There's a lot of schools down there looking for quarterbacks, and, and he could go back toward home, uh, kind of closer to, to where you guys are. There will be other players, too. I think more of them on offense, uh, particularly offensive line. I think you could see some reserves that want to get out and get some playing time. On defense, I'm expecting Georgia to have to replace nine starters anyway, just for NFL draft and, and seniors. Uh, and so with that, I see a lot of potential playing time on defense. So if you ask me positions that Georgia might lose uh, players, quarterback, maybe wide receiver on the back end, but uh, offensive line for sure. On the other side, some very talented players in the portal. Are there any guys that Georgia you think either is targeting or, or will target via the portal? You guys know Demetrius Robertson and his story, right, and how he, uh, you know, Georgia wanted to get him as a freshman. He went off to Cal, Georgia gets him, and then he goes to Auburn. So you never burn those relationships, especially now in the era of the portal. And Tank Bigsby was one of those guys for Georgia uh, when he was at Callaway High School up in Hogansville. So I, I anticipate he will be leaving from Auburn. I think Del McGee has kept a, a good relationship with him, and Del McGee's name and West Georgia is a big deal. I worked in TV over there for four years, and uh, he's got that Nick Saban quality to people in West Georgia. So I think it's a good chance that Tank Bigsby is on Georgia's roster next season. Uh, and then yeah, the only thing that could prevent that, this is an interesting tidbit, Tank Bigsby's offensive coordinator in high school was a guy named Matt Napier, brother of Billy Napier. So I think Florida is going to try to get involved in that one as well. Uh, and Matt Napier is now the head coach at LaGrange High School. So we'll see how that goes. I do think that Del McGee probably uh, has a bit more cachet in, in that part of the state. And Georgia is going to need some running back help when you look at James Cook and Zemir White being uh, out of eligibility. And there's always a shot that you look for a quarterback with some experience. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the case. It probably depends on what happens with Stetson Bennett and J.T. Daniels. And then I know that that quarterback, that quarterback room is already very, very full when you talk about them Georgia Bulldogs. But has anybody done more for a quarterback that might potentially want to be in the transfer portal and play for Georgia than a guy like Stetson Bennett, a guy that wasn't even on a scholarship, and here he is uh, in the college football playoff getting a shot? How, isn't it crazy to think that the next six weeks could determine really everything about the offense for Georgia, like moving forward, that that, that confidence is not there at this point? It's silly to me. I think Stetson Bennett's done a, a good job. 
Uh, now you can argue that the fact that they're they're down to Bennett at this point that was a failure in recruiting for Georgia in 2019 and 2020. Um, but you know. It, what we've been told is Stetson Bennett will play football somewhere next year. So for whatever reason he doesn't think that's at Georgia, that could be a guy that leaves and goes somewhere else and starts. Uh, I think he's been a good player, and, and you know he, he's shown that he loves Georgia and his family loves Georgia. I hate that it's kind of become the hot-button issue of can Stetson do this or Stetson do that. When I look at the tape of Georgia and Alabama, uh, Stetson made some mistakes for sure, but it was mistakes all around in that game. So I wouldn't necessarily put that just on him. And I, I think he's got a shot over the next six weeks to really prove some people wrong. Dane Young, UGASports.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Dane, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Always enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy talking Georgia football uh, with him. We'll come back. Much more to come here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Along here, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin B.J. and Ben. We're from Judy Armand coming up in hour number two. And, hey, with the holidays Around and, uh, and approaching, we've teamed up with uh, the Savannah Feed the Hungry. Uh, they're holding a Christmas dinner on the 23rd uh, coming up. And what we're asking folks to do is donate toys, and they're going to give a lot of toys at uh, that event as well. And you can drop those off at one of the following places. Coach's Corner on Victory Drive uh, there in Thunderbolt. Uh, Geechee Roots there at the Tanger uh, Outlets. Uh, the Uniform Source. Uh, on Abercorn Street and on Duren, the Hall of Sneakers on York Street and at Cash and Carry, 500 Staley Avenue there in Savannah. So we're asking you to bring a unwrapped toy at any of those locations, and we will, in a conjunction with Savannah Feed the Hungry, give them away at that event on the 23rd. So uh, looking forward to that, and it is the, the season of giving, so we have the opportunity to drop by one of those locations, Coach's Corner, Geechee Roots, the Uniform Source, Hall of Sneakers and Cash and Carry dropped an unwrapped toy in the box and uh, helped someone out uh, there at Christmas. Absolutely, and glad to be partnering there. And uh, the Feed the Hungry event going to be, you know, very meaningful, very special. And I think it's, Kevin, as you said, to echo those sentiments, uh, it's so important to think about others uh, and, and, and folks who may be in need during the holiday season. Uh, that's a big part of, of kind of what we should think about every day, but I think especially this time of year and any any opportunity you have to just help out a little bit, help out who you can, I, I think that's how you change the world. So uh, great stuff and, uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, collecting some toys for the uh, Feed the Hungry event on yeah. the 23rd. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you think about that, uh, you know, like you said, uh, BJ and Kevin is a chance to, you know, do something for someone else. I think too often at times when in our own lives we understand that we want to be able to do for you know do for us and I uh, do for our family members. Family members are who not just your bloodline, man. It's who you decide it is. And when you ever can put a put a, a smile on a on a kid's face, uh, there are parents out there who are doing the best they can. So we gonna try to you know get as many toys in there as possible. Uh, Kevin, all the different locations that you mentioned, as well as uh, feeding the hungry as well. You couldn't be doing. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but that's what we're supposed to do when you talk about doing our part. Yeah, and you uh, can go to our ESPN Radio Savannah uh, Facebook page and get more information on that. And again, uh, now through the 22nd, I will be collecting those toys, and you can uh, uh, drop it off at those locations, and they will be given out on the 23rd. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. We're coming right back. We've got Take 3 coming up right around the corner. Drew DeArmond will join us next hour as well. We're talking to Bryce Young, first quarterback at Alabama to win the Heisman. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, 3 and out on this Monday, hour number two. We'll hear from Drew DeArmond talking to Alabama as Bryce Young becomes the first Bama quarterback 
to ever win the Heisman Trophy, and that puts him in very rare company, obviously, with a number of great players that have come through uh, the Alabama program there at quarterback. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's take three here on three and out. All right, take one after beating the Carolina Panthers, fellas. The Falcons are now six and seven, winners of two of their last three. Are you are you seeing progress with this team? Because it seems like everybody's the consensus: this team stinks. But they also have to write the column that says, but they could still make the playoffs. Yeah, wait for it. The answer is yes. I am seeing progress. And and I think part of it is contextualized in the fact that the NFC is bad. I mean, look, the Bucks are going to win the division. But but after that, when you talk about the wild card, the Falcons are there. I mean, the, the, the conference is not good. And I will give Atlanta credit for this. Normally, if you don't have Matt Ryan go for about 350 and three touchdowns, you're going to lose. The Falcons had 318 yards of total offense and won. Matt Ryan had fewer than 200 yards passing. And I think there are still some things to improve upon, but you had a couple of turnovers. A.J. Terrell got a pick. Uh, Mikel Walker had a pick six, which changed the game around. And you still only had one sack, but you had seven tackles for loss, including three from Dante Fowler Jr. So you're making plays off the edge. You're making plays in the secondary, which is what we've been asking for for a decade. And offensively, even though you weren't great, you saw the value Sunday of what big plays defensively can do. Atlanta beat Carolina because they made plays defensively. Matt Ryan threw for, what, 180-something yards. Nine times out of ten in the past, that's been a loss. So you were able to, I say this as a positive, not mess it up offensively and let your defense, and this hasn't happened often, make plays. And I think that's worth celebrating. And Atlanta is 6-7. and seven. That's not great, but they are in the mix. And you're going to have to earn it down the stretch, which is what you want if you're in the league. But, Ben, I think you can look at Atlanta now compared to where you were about a month ago and say this team is playing better, especially defensively, and that's great to see. Uh, 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 uh. I'm just saying now that I'm, I'm doing a little bit too much with that. But BJ, you said something, right? We like said they get a winning record. No, 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 what are no, we no, going to no, see? They don't have a winning record. But I, but, but, but I, but I will say this: this defense just realized. Wait a minute, we can win games. Yes. Wait a minute, we don't, we don't have to depend on the offense. No. Matty Ice went home, you know, and his wife was like, "What happened today?" He said, "The defense earned their check." BJ, you said it. TFLs, you lived in the backfield. You still got one sack. You had a pick six. Whenever you win a turnover battle, usually in sports, that give you a chance to go out there and win the game. Now, I'm not. that's not going to be a recipe for success for the offense moving forward. But defense, you can do this for the rest of the season. You're the reason why Cam, Cam, Cam got benched on Sunday because, you know, they're bringing the back. They're bringing P.J. Walker. I think at the end of the day, Kevin and B.J., when you, when you think about this defense, you're not going to win in the sack total. But pressure, turnovers, TFLs. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, he's saying, look, man, I had a pick six against the GOAT. The shortest pick six in history. In history. For this Atlanta Falcons team, it's going to be about how they finish. Arthur, listen, Arthur Smith, he all up in the, uh, in the post-game press conference. He got some energy about him. Now, he, he, he's still Arthur Smith now, ain't eh? You know, he probably danced just like these days. He probably danced like Brian Kelly. If you haven't seen it, please don't waste your, don't waste your minutes. But I, I just think that, yes, when, 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 your, when your best player – don't have to be at their best, and you can still win. That is winning football. Shout out to the Falcons for getting that done. I guess progress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Hold on, hold on. No, no, Kevin, Kevin. They are winning more. I don't Kevin saying. is on the coach staff. Good job, fellas. They walk out. Man, listen, we we almost we all we still almost lost. Don't give me that. No. No, no, you gotta take it. Cordell Always Patterson, gotta keep no. moving the wheels forward. You can't sit there and go, oh, congratulations. Pat yourselves on the back, fellas. Hey, Cordell uh, Patterson, man. I mean five and five. Five receiver touchdown, five rush rush touchdown. Getting it done. That was a leading rusher again. Yeah, get it. Hey, Falcons blazing hot. <laughs> Hotter than the Jags. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> I'm on a Falcons hat today. I said I'm on a Falcons yeah, hat. Yeah, you've uh, changed allegiance. No. You are now an Atlanta Falcons supporter. Like Cody. Co- Cody, yes. Yeah. Just, just I'm like a everybody. fan of the Jags, but I support the Falcons. Hello? Just, uh, just every team possible out there. All right, take two. What is your favorite non-New Year's Six bowl game? I think the Gator Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. I do. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. Uh, I've been a fan of Wake Forest this season. You know, probably underappreciated all year when you talk about what they were uh, 8-0 before losing to Clemson. Went up to Army, dropped 70 uh, uh, up there against one of the best defenses in the country. We saw them play a really compelling game uh, against against uh, Pitt in the ACC championship game. And it, it's funny because we talked about it. My lasting impression from that game is the Kenny Pickett fake slide. Like, I will never forget that. And I think they've made a rule, yeah, made a rule against rule that one. now. And, and I know there was some talk about uh, post-game, did that play change the outcome of the ACC title game? Wake Forest is really good, people. Uh, their quarterback, Sam Hartman, is a pro quarterback. They had two 1,000-yard receivers who were both NFL guys, uh, 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 Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry. I think you're talking about one of the top offensive coaches in college football and Dave Clawson. And then on the other side, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, his track record speaks for itself. Now, what's going on with the Aggies at quarterback? Zach Calzada, one of the guys who's entered the transfer portal. So what will we see offensively out of, out of Texas A&M? But I think the chance for a lot of points, I think that's an interesting, intriguing matchup you don't see a ton of. I like, you know, new matchups. Every couple of years you see like Auburn, Wisconsin. They play every five years in a bowl game. They have to. It's written in contract. You don't see Wake Forest Texas A&M a lot. So that's a game that, that I think Kevin kicks before lunch. Uh, so you can watch that one. Still get in some of the other games. But I think when I look at the bowl schedule, a lot of fun games. But Wake Forest Texas A&M down in Jacksonville seems really interesting to me. I'm going to go with the Deuce Mayo Bowl. I mean, it's the Battle of the Carolinas. No, UNC versus USC. And, I, and once again, just like Old Miss Mississippi State. If you, if I play with guys from both that went to both schools, and they think I play with guys that you know uh, went to USC. They're like, man, you go to you go to South Carolina because you have respect for yourself. You don't go to places like no, what's the Tar Heel? All this other type of nonsense. It's it's, it's going to be a lot more heated than people give it credit for. Uh, BJ and Kevin, I'm looking forward to the Duke. I know who, uh, BJ thought I was going to say. I'm not going to say it. Gasparilla Bowl no, sold not, out. People. Yeah, yeah, because Beef because yeah, because Beef Braves went out of business. Even though the food, are you worried about good. that game? I, yeah, yeah. I'm no, saying no. y'all wouldn't play them during no, no, the regular no, no, season. No. The game I was worried about. I appreciate your Seminoles for letting us, letting us <laughs> get that dub. That's the game I was because BJ. If you was on the Twitter sphere when we beat y'all, we we talking trash like we ain't just got our six wins. Like y'all wish y'all was us. Well, they do, but they don't. But at the end of the day, give me give me the Duke Mayo Bowl. Give me give me the Battle of the Carolinas that's, for supremacy. That's true. Florida did not want to play. Central Florida, that's why Billy Napier had to come in and say, scared money, don't, don't make that's money. That's true. Scared well money, put. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, no, 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 no. Isn't it? No, no, no. Shout to Scott Strickland. Okay, this is what I'm asking you. Yeah. Is it worth from Florida's standpoint? Because Florida, Florida State's always going to be what it is. Yeah. Is it worth from Florida's standpoint mm-hmm. to beat Florida State mm-hmm. if it means you go to a bowl game and lose to UCF? 
Because you talk about never hearing yeah, the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you why, BJ, because this is the thing. Like, let's face it, okay? You got the B team out there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If Florida loses to UCF, they are, listen, UCF already think, UCF think they're the biggest brand of football in the state. Like, if you ask them, we got a natty. Yeah, and I can I mean, it, it is recognized by the NCAA. Oh, now, once again, okay, BJ. If Florida got a name that was recognized, would you be saying the same thing? They didn't win it. You can bless. go ahead and say your two favorite words. That's embarrassing. So at the end of the day, you know, Mickey Mouse was in the parade with his hamburger helper hands saying congratulations to UCF Knights. No, I they did not win. Helper. They did not win. And listen, I'm really telling my age now, hamburger helper used to be good as hell, too, for those of you who are trying to knock it. What about, did, what did, about did, tuna helper? Did, oh did hamburger helper ever stop being good? No, it, it didn't. It didn't okay, stop. I, I mean, I, 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 sure. I just ain't seen it in a while. I just ain't seen it in a while. But no, no, BJ. I want to. You want to play them UCF guys? They talking that cash money, and uh, <clears throat> Emory Jones will be starting for Florida because Anthony Richardson is out. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'm you know I'm gonna miss you, Emory. I don't know if Emory gonna be back. But BJ, you might you might want to you might want to you know you don't you don't want to not root for these. Uh, for these um, players, because you go from rooting for a guy, you know, playing for the team you can't stand, to next thing you know, they playing for the team you root for. <laughs> UCF Knight, right. McKenzie Milton. You're talking about uh, <laughs> next year's Florida starting quarterback, JT Daniels? I mean, listen, JT Daniels, let me tell you, right now, JT Daniels, look, man, you look like you're can. You, you look like you're really good at fixing cars. I mean, you, you, you look nice with the, with the mustache. If JT Daniels is at Florida next year, BJ, I got the root for him. I got the root for him because he's at Florida. Don't act like the first game of the year, for those you don't know, McKenzie Milton comes in and BJ goes, I'm telling you, Ball it's going to be, ah, they lose. Never seen, seen from her from again. We have a problem. But BJ, if um, who would you rather have? you rather have JT Daniels down there at Florida State or you rather have your, your cousin Stetson? Oh, man, look. <laughs> Stetson's about to win a national championship, Hey, I'm just man. saying. Are you talking about oh, I forgot what the question even was. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. Something about <laughs> hamburger yeah, Something helper. about bowl games and hamburger helper. <laughs> Favorite bowl, favorite bowl game. Yeah, the, uh, the Mayo Bowl is probably going to be a good one. It's, the, it's, it's two fan bases screaming at each other about, we're Carolina. Yeah. No, we're Carolina. Here's the thing about South Carolina. Can an argument be made that not only are they not Carolina, they're also not USC? Ooh, I mean, I mean, I mean, are you I talking think there's to the been lawsuits base? about that. Huh? I mean, are you talking to the fan base? No, I'm just asking because, like, if okay, if I were to come up to you and say, Cam, Carolina, who do you think? You think South Carolina or North Carolina? Okay, yeah. he said he thinks so. Everybody so, thinks about the, uh, the, the 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 baby blue. Okay, if I say yeah. USC, who do you think about? The Trojans. Yeah. I think, don't they just call South Carolina like SC now? Like, so, so what? So, would it be South South so what if it was USC versus USC? Who would you? Who That'd be would great. You? That'd be great. This year? Yeah. Probably neither. <laughs> well, they're USC's quarterbacks in the transfer portal and yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Slovis, he's, I mean, I'm just saying, you get a quarterback. No, I like the Gamecocks. I like the Gamecocks. All right, uh, moving on. I. I think I answered the question. Dukes may have all. Take three is Bryce Young, who now won the Heisman. Is he now Alabama's greatest quarterback? They've ever had because he's the only quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, and just a sophomore. Um, He's in the conversation. I mean, you think about Alabama and you think about going back to Joe Namath and Kenny Stabler and, you know, up through obviously the recent guys, Mac Jones, A.J. McCarron, Tua. I mean, you've had, I'm a big fan of Blake Sims, what he did during his career. I mean, McElroy. For me, I would say no, and you could probably break it down further statistically, uh, but just offhand, Ben, I know you always say the threshold for a Hall of Famer is can you tell the story without? And to me, what we've seen from Alabama the last couple of years, I think it's a story that in some ways, and, and Blake Sims deserves a lot of credit, but I think in some ways starts with Tua. 
in terms of changing the way Alabama plays, right? Spreading the field. You're going four wide. You're going five wide. Two with Lane Kiffin. You think about he arguably – I mean, does he have the most famous throw in college football history? Yep. I mean, if, 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 if it's not, you know, maybe after Doug Flutie, the most famous modern throw in college football history. So, I think he's in the conversation. Could he end up – He's only a sophomore being the greatest, the GOAT, absolutely. In the conversation, but I think right now I would lean Tua. Man, oh man. Quarterbacks, wow. I think it's Mac Jones. I, I, because the thing about it is, is BJ, okay, you talk about Jalen Hurst, him getting big yeah, for, Jaylen, a guy, yeah. for, a guy, for a guy like Tua. Tua comes in second half. Listen, and Tua didn't have a good half. He had a good moment. He did not have a good half. He had a he had a brilliant throw with an eventual Heisman Trophy winner in Devonta Smith. I think it is Mac Jones because Mac Jones was a guy that people was thinking is it going to take is is the quarterback going to take a step back? Nope, because he threw to the he threw to the Heisman Trophy winner. He's all, he also you know, he also you know helped orchestrate the offense. BJ, I think he has the best uh, QBR for one season, and he went undefeated. There's nothing else. He did everything but win the Heisman because he threw to a Heisman, and obviously you know Najee Harris ended up been, becoming the all-time leading rusher. Uh, you know, in Alabama history, but I think it is Mac Jones because Mac Jones, you know, he had to watch. He had to watch Jalen Hurts. Oh my God, you got this dude. You got the phenom named Tua, and obviously you you knew you were thinking, is Mac Jones good enough to do it? All I did was beat every team you put on the schedule. Um, you know, I had I played with a Heisman Trophy winner that I threw to, and I went undefeated and, and won that name. All so I, SEC schedule. And, oh, 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 that is true. He did. Sorry, Mac you, Jones. You going Mac? I, I don't know if I'm going back, but I would say that Bryce Young, not quite there. I, I, he needs a natty. I mean, it's Alabama. Sometimes you're – not sometimes. You're always judged versus your peers. And while an Alabama quarterback may have never won the Heisman, there's a whole bunch of them that are walking around with rings on their hands uh, with, with what they were able to do in college. So, I think get a natty, and he advances up the ladder in that conversation uh, there as well. That's take three. We'll come back. We'll ask Rudy Armin that question. ESPN Radio Huntsville. When he joins us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin B.J. and Ben. Bryce Young wins the Heisman. First Alabama quarterback to do that. And Drew DeArmond, 97.7 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. And Titer Insider joins us here on 3 and Out. Drew, welcome. How are you? Good, guys. How you doing, man? Uh, doing fantastic. We were just uh, talking about this. Someone who covers the team uh, daily. Now that he's won the Heisman, something no other quarterback has done at Alabama. Where does Bryce Young, in your estimation, kind of sit in terms of the greatest quarterbacks that Alabama's ever put out there? Well, you know, it's tough because somebody asked me this question on Twitter last night, or I made a comment about an all saving team. And, uh, you know, I did one a couple years ago, but since then there's been – uh, more great players that have cycled through the program and are currently. It would be really, really difficult to pick one at each position. Certainly, I think Bryce is positioning himself uh, to potentially be called the greatest of all time at the quarterback position. Uh, this season is very similar to what Tua Tungo-Vailoa did just three years ago in 2018. And really, uh, in a shortened season in 13 games, uh, you know, what Mac Jones did. So, it's going to be really, uh, you know, tough to choose. It's going to be kind of like, uh, you know, choosing uh, your favorite, you know, relative in a way because it's hard to do because you love love them all. But, I mean, Bryce is a special guy. I've said this before. He's different than the other two guys. Mac was your prototypical drop-back quarterback, Tom Brady style. It's totally cerebral, great mind for the game, you know, accurate from the pocket. Tua Tungo-Vailoa. 
know, probably the best pure thrower I've ever seen of the football. Uh, you know, his accuracy was the keyhole type. But with Bryce, he's got a little bit of all of it. He's got an outstanding arm. He's got outstanding accuracy. But he's slippery, and he's mobile, and he can use his legs. He can extend plays. He throws the ball well on the run. And honestly, I've, I said this this morning on Talking Ball, if you ask me which season of the three is the most impressive, after seeing all this unfold, if Bryce Young can win a national championship like Mack and like Tua Tungvaloa did you know, in 2017 and add a ring of his own, I think his is the most impressive because when you look at his supporting cast and his offensive line, I don't think it's nearly as good. It's, uh, you know, there's not the receiver depth there was under Tua and even Mack. And then from a, uh, the injury standpoint to the, to the offensive backfield, and then the offensive line from the, 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 uh, the performance of the offensive tackle position, really the right tackle spot has been iffy all year. Brian Robinson, uh, you know, was a warrior in the SEC championship game, but was just not himself. What he's done you know, without the supporting cast of the other two quarterbacks, I think in a way separates him. And if he can build on this next year, he can separate himself from both those guys, and that's saying a lot. Drew, the last five quarters for Bryce, when you think about, you know, an, an SEC record for passing yards against a generational defense and then the comeback, a 97-yard drive against, against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, on the road. I mean, how do you contextualize what we've seen the last two games where he absolutely lit up one of the best defenses we've seen in 25 years and had just a statistically improbable comeback for the ages uh, in kind of the biggest stage you have in college football during the regular season? Well, I think he proved his toughness in the Auburn game because you guys saw he got sacked seven times, got hit others. I mean, uh, Alabama was shut out through three quarters. And so, uh, what he did to, you know, put 10 points on the board in regulation. Uh, and, of course, he played through, you know, Alabama should have had a field goal in the third quarter. A snap was botched. But he just continued to be poised and continued to play. Uh, he led them to 10 points. That 97-yard drive was really his Heisman moment against Auburn. He did that in about a minute and 30 seconds, uh, going 97 yards uh, and hitting Ja'Cory Brooks, who, uh, you know, was in the game because, Jamison Williams uh, was ejected early. So uh, he was able to get them into the overtime, make the right read, throw for over 300 yards, and, you know, and win the game. And I thought that was huge. And then uh, people don't really talk about it a lot in the second half of the Georgia game, but Alabama was able to put the game away uh, after John Mechie got hurt. And you didn't have your leading receiver from the standpoint of 96 catches for over 1,200 yards and eight TDs. And he still was able to – uh, you know, getting Trayshawn Holden involved. He hit Slade Bolden for a 24-yard gain on third down. That was probably the biggest play of the game to ice it on that last drive. And then, of course, Ja'Cory Brooks uh, made some catches. And I asked Nick Saban about that after the game, and he made an interesting comment. He said, if you have a special quarterback, he can elevate those around him. And I think that's what Bryce has done. He'll get a chance to do it again in the college football playoff in the Cotton Bowl against Cincinnati because – we know that, uh, that it's a severe knee injury, an ACL for Mechie. He will not be back. So guys like Trayshawn Holden, like a Ja'Cory Brooks, like Slade Bolden are going to have to step up beside uh, Jamison Williams. And even hopefully they can get uh, JoJo Earl back. But all these guys are going to have to step up. Bryce is going to have to step up. Hopefully Alabama will have a healthier Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders. But, again, the supporting cast is just not what it could have been earlier in the season. 
and yet Bryce's production has not dipped at all. When you think about 4,322 yards, uh, 68% completions, and a QBR of 175.5, uh, 43 touchdowns, four picks. I mean, you can't get much better than that, especially when you're competing in the best conference in the country and the best division in college football where every team is bowl eligible. I mean, Drew, I want, I want you to – I mean, I, I, know you, I know you might be a little biased, but I want you to give me your – which one of these would you pick out of, you know, uh, your best four? Would you go Deshaun, Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence, DJU, or Jalen, Tua, Mack, and Bryce? Well, I, you know, and you know me, you know, well enough, my man. I mean, I, I, I got I to say, Ben, I got to say that I'm going with Alabama. I mean, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is special. I think I, I love watching Deshaun Watson. He's certainly elevated that Clemson program. Taj Boyd doesn't get enough credit either uh, coming out of that program. But when you're telling me Bryce Young and you're telling me Mac Jones and, and Tua Tungabailoa and Jalen Hurts, I mean, the other three are, uh, you know, all preceded Bryce. They're all starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Bryce Young, with what he's done, probably the closest we've seen is Oklahoma. You know, you got Baker, you got Kyler Murray, uh, certainly Caleb Williams looks like he's going to be a great player coming out of that program. But I really think when you look at what Alabama's done at the quarterback position since 2016, they're the new QBU. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon because I think Ty Simpson is a special talent. He's coming in from, you know, Martin, Tennessee, Westview High School, coming off a 2A state championship. He's a five-star talent. And now with Quinn Ewers going to Texas, is that going to help Alabama with uh, potentially the 2023 class with a guy like Arch Manning? So, And I know Arch and, and Bryce are good friends. So it's, it's interesting. I just think right now it's amazing to see these guys. I was told by someone that uh, was close to a quarterback in the QB room right now at Alabama that Bryce, would be the best one of them all. This is a guy that's backed him up, and uh, so far so good. He's on his on the trajectory to do that. He's been you know durable. He's proven that he can take hits. I think he really has to use his legs as much as he could. And uh, I just think the only you, there's only two things, Ben. You played the game. You either get better or you get worse. And I think Bryce is just going to get better. And if he stays healthy, he's going to kind of redefine this position. And it's pretty amazing the production Alabama has gotten out of that quarterback position since Jalen Hurts was the offensive rookie of the year in the SEC in 2016. Drew DeArmond uh, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Drew, I know uh, getting ready for Cincinnati in the uh, playoff coming up in a couple of weeks here. How does Alabama prepare for that? Because it seems like the rat poison, as Nick Saban uh, likes to say, is saying, hey, we're all getting ready for a rematch with Georgia and Alabama. How much are they looking, though, at that Cincinnati team that obviously is trying to prove that they're no fluke and didn't just get gifted a spot in the college football playoff? Well, that's a great point. You know, I, it's going to be interesting to see if this Alabama team has truly gotten over the hump and is going to build on that Georgia game, or are they going to have another roller coaster ride where they don't prepare as well as they should and there's it's a consistency issue? You know, I think that that could always you know, happen. I have respect for the Cincinnati team at Luke Fickle. I think they're very good. I know they went through a lull where they didn't play well against Navy. They didn't play well against Tulsa. Uh, you know, they and where they their performance just wasn't up to par. Uh, you know, but I think it was hard to motivate themselves in some ways uh, with that schedule and against Tulane, the schedule that they were playing. Uh, but when they had to play in their biggest games, they played well. Certainly, they're going to be have a chip on their shoulder when nobody gives them a chance. But 
Alabama got some rat poison in their, you know, in their own favor because Mel Kiper has picked Cincinnati to win. Uh, certainly, I think Alabama understands that, uh, you know, that they, the, the standard is, an, is to win a national championship. They've won an SEC title, which is a great step. But in order to validate this season, they need to finish. And, you know, I, hopefully this football team has learned quite a bit from uh, that they, what they're capable of doing when they focus on the job at hand, like they did against Ole Miss, you know, like they did uh, in this game against Georgia. Uh, you know, when they focus and against Mississippi State, when they've prepared well, they've played at a very high level. And certainly I, there could be two new corners in the game. We know Josh Job is going to be out as well. He had turf toe surgery. We don't know yet if Jalen Armour Davis and his hip injury is going to allow him to play. So you could see Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, starting for Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. Great opportunities for them along with these young receivers, but you have to go out and perform. So, But I will say this. I do think with a month to prepare, I like Alabama's chances in the game. It's a sellout. Certainly Cincinnati is going to be well represented, but so will Alabama. And if they protect Bryce Young against that Cincinnati defense. And if they can, you know, block Georgia's front, they should be able to block Cincinnati. If they do what they're capable of doing, then I think Alabama's going to win the game. And I think they'll win the game by, you know, 14 to 17 points. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think Alabama will win solidly. And I expect Georgia to beat Michigan. I think it'll be a harder game. I do think it could be maybe one score, uh, but I think Georgia's going to survive. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a rematch of the national championship game. I still like Alabama's chances if that's the case. I think that they kind of have Georgia's number. But, again, anything can happen in football. And the first thing that Alabama has to do, get healthy, get their minds right, stay focused, and take care of Cincinnati. Drew DeArmond uh, joining us, Tighter Insider, also 97.7 ESPN Radio Huntsville, joining us here on 3 and Out. Drew, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Always, you, you guys have a great holiday. And always enjoy being on with you. Hey, we appreciate it. Same to you, Drew. We'll come back. we got more to come here at 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back, I gouged my eardrums out. That's a classic. No. I say that every time. I'm sorry, Ryan McGee. We do that that, that literally might be the most popular song in the history of civilization. Well, people need to pick better music. That's all I can say. Cam, next time we get next time we get a rejoin, go listen, listen, go to the go to the soul sounds of Kevin Thomas. He got a whole no. album. That's <laughs> true. That's what you want to hear. No, no, we don't want to hear what that he's either. About. No, people be asking me something like, man, when's Kevin's uh, album coming? I said, listen, man, he in the studio. No, not one to, person has said trying that. Trying to put together a Christmas album. <laughs> not one person has said that. I will stand by. Kevin, the if somebody that. asked you for a Christmas album, would you indeed put out a Christmas album for the for the fans? Of what, like songs I like? No, 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 no. songs that you own already. You've been, you know, those are Christmas the songs. Kevin song. Actually, Jim's on them, yeah, but yeah, they're in Kevin. honor of Kevin. Kevin yeah, yes. Technically, I am not in a single one of them. Cam, if you know any it's Christmas my name, carolers, it's, we it's, will give you Kevin's uh, address. There's actually, if there are any Christmas carolers, Kevin would love for them to come by his listen, house. Listen, there, listen, listen. There are three things, I told you you can stand things, at the end of the driveway and do what you want to do. Only three things Kevin loves. Okay, boneless chicken wings, right? Double fudge <laughs> uh, ice cream and Christmas carolers. That's all. Anything else, Kevin? I want to deal with. Tri- triple, none of that is true. Didn't we see some Christmas carols over the week? Christmas carolers. And, and, and somebody, and somebody, I find out how, how somebody feels about carolers. Somebody I said, let's get say, out and do it. Uh, yeah, BJ, like, are oh, those carolers? Drive, move. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm ready. I really was 
No, no, he no, don't, no, no. No, Ben wasn't getting into the Christmas spirit. And double and triple chocolate does not exist. And, it's, it's fine. and, it's, and just because you don't want to put a, a real Christmas tree or a Christmas tree in your house or go watch lights doesn't mean you're not in the Christmas spirit. Some of us, you know, they just love Christmas. Some of us like fake Christmas trees that come out of boxes, and the other one wants one that can, I don't know, burn your house up. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I think a, a fake Christmas tree could also theoretically result in some sort of fire damage. I mean, I don't want any of that to happen. I mean, I think it's unlikely. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know what they make the trees out of, but I've never had one catch on fire in well, all of my... I, I, I mean, yeah, look, safety is first and foremost. It's paramount, but I mean, just saying. I don't think that's like the only thing in the history of fires that can, that can start a fire. Yeah. I, I, look, I, in, my, in my, all my years on this earth, I have never seen a tree catch on fire at a house that I've been at or been in. Uh, in my own house. Have you? Nope. It was a random no. survey. No. Ben? Well, nope. Ben's the one who talks Can't about it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Can't, okay. So, again, of our huge sample size now, I have of seen a fried turkey blow up. <laughs> no, that's dangerous. No, that's dangerous. If you, if, if you, you fry a turkey, in that slow. you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, if you put it in there frozen, it becomes a cannonball out of that grease. So, it's or that oil. Ooh. That oil, not grease. I'm sorry. Don't, uh, don't uh, quote me on that. But, no. Speaking of quoting, though. Well, that's a transition. Well, uh. BJ, I know you are. You feel very strongly about this with uh, with with Mike Leach and what he had to say about uh, bowl games and players opting out, saying his quote one of the biggest absurdities he's seen. He said, "You've got an obligation to the place to help build and develop you and finish it out in the bowl game. That's part of it. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your fans. You owe it to your coaches. It's the most bizarre thing in the world uh, to me." He goes on. He says, "Quote: Somebody says, well, I can't play one more game. They think they're going to have a storied ten-year NFL career, and then." They can't play one more college game. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, guys will go to the NFL, they'll make the Pro Bowl, then they'll play in Pro Bowl. It's one of the biggest absurdities, uh, absurdities I've seen in selfish. Actually, uh, that's in quote. Actually, Mike Leach, guys don't play in the Pro Bowl and actively think of ways to get out of playing in the Pro Bowl. Uh, when he says that, I understand. And BJ, you say you don't understand even where he's coming from. I understand where he's coming from. It kind of goes back to uh, how folks say, look, my kid doesn't want to play anymore. Well, you're going to finish it out. Or hey, I'm going to go Whoa, do this. No, 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 that's all I'm saying. I understand Mike Leake's framework as a coach, not about, hey, can coaches leave? It's just, hey, we all started. Let's finish the season and, and move on. All right, well, I have two thoughts on it. First and foremost, I mean, I think it's silly to ignore the obvious, and that is that if you're being considered as a high draft pick, the risk of playing in a bowl game is there, and the risk could be considerable to the point that you mentioned of a million dollars more. I mean, if you're going to be a first-round pick and you go out in a bowl game and you tear your ACL, you have lost potentially millions of dollars and have maybe gotten off to a bad start in your career that might be impossible to overcome. Now, those instances might be rare, but if you're coming up to me and you're saying, hey, if you can just stay healthy for the next four months – you're going to get life-changing money, or you're going to have the opportunity to make life-changing money. You're not quitting on your team because after 30 games, you don't play in game 31, or if you stay through four years, 45 games, because you don't play in game 46. You're making a business decision, which every single person affiliated with the program makes. And this is what I don't understand about the, oh, the player's leaving early, let's criticize them, we're not playing in the bowl game. 
every other person on the program or, or, or a part of the program, whether it's coaches, whether it's staffers, whether it's health and nutrition people, whether it's whatever people do, sports information, media, if they get a chance to move on to the next level, it's celebrated. Oh, man, you got a raise. You're moving on to a better spot. You got a chance to coach, uh, you know, play, place X, place Y. It's a good thing. But if a player dare wants to move on to something that's bigger, that's grander, potentially, and that has life-changing money, uh, well, they're not, they're, they're, they don't love the team. What about the coaches who leave before the bowl game? How many coaches are we seeing right now leave before the that. bowl game? What about? I'm our, just telling. I'm not saying that Mike Leach is wrong or right. I'm just saying that's the mindset of, well, hey, let's finish but, it but, out. But, but why are the players the only one on the whole, uh, in, in, in the whole program who are viewed that way? If an assistant strength and conditioning coach on December 5th gets offered a job where he can make more, you go and you congratulate that person. Great job. You've, you've improved your situation. You've worked from here, and now you're moving up to here. You're climbing the ladder. That's worth celebrating. But if a player does it, it's all oh, he turns his back on his team. Coaches leave every year, and that's part of it. And that's not inherently evil. But to place that on the players and have them be the only people who were a part of the program held to that standard is wrong. It is wrong, and it's ridiculous. <clears throat> Kevin, I don't, who was the guy, Kevin, that said when the Braves won the uh, World Series is because everybody else, they just weren't that good or they didn't have their A-team? Remember what you said about him? That's, that's a moronic statement. I mean, you're just saying some ridiculous stuff. Mike Lee should be happy to have a job. The kind of things Mike Leach has done as a head coach, the absurd, the absurd things he's done as a coach should have warranted him to be fired at this point. But Mike Leach, no, he's not. Mike Leach has this has this mentality of they're not really talking about Mississippi State. Let me say something to get us back in new. They're not really talking about us, right? I was going to bring the air raid to the SEC. How was that working out? All I'm saying is it is absurd. It's absurd that a coach who was only who we. You are half who you are because you are a good coach, and the other half is because of the players that are playing under you. People know who Mike Leach is because of these players that went out there and did that air raid. What? At Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State. So one game is absurd. That is just absurd. That is just absurd that this young man, whose entire goal was to put himself in a position to get drafted, I have done that. If I haven't done it and one game is going to do it, well, like I ain't done it by now, it's not going to happen. Out of all the games, I missed one. Think about that. I just missed one. Been here for three years, four years, played through injuries. Nope, not enough. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Been told. Been, listen, listen. I, listen, if I've been here long enough, I've been here to where I couldn't sell my jersey. Now I can sell my jersey. I could be ineligible for selling. Now I can do it. To watch players go from not being able to make money to make money. Mike Leach makes $5 million a year to live in, to live in Starkville. You don't tell me he's not benefiting from this guy who's not going to play in one game. You're making five mil. To, the Italian restaurant in Stark Vegas is called the Italian restaurant. That's what it is called, so you can't miss it. What you making here? I don't know. Italian food. Come on and get you some. No, I think sometimes when it comes to these coaches, they are so ridiculous, man, with the, the things they say. I mean, we, oh, my God. I mean, we ain't even going to get into, you know, one of my favorite coaches at UNC who will go unnamed at this point, what he thought was wrong with. Ain't there's always something wrong when it comes to the players? The, the things they do is absurd. But this is what I'm saying, Ben, it, but because you've been through it. If any one of us were on the verge of potentially life-changing money and a life-changing opportunity, it's not just the money. How many guys play in the NFL? A couple thousand, maybe, yeah, yeah. in the world? You're well, talking well, about – Let's just say, we'll just say 40, 40 – uh, 
47 guys, 47 guys dress on game day and 30 some of those guys yeah. play. You're talking about an elite fraternity that comes with some pretty special things. And that's been a goal for some of these guys for years. Maybe what they've worked for their entire life to a certain point. And you're going to tell someone who's not getting paid anything when you're making a good amount of money that you're turning the back, whatever, you're, you're not finishing the drill, whatever the phrase is, because you miss one game. All of us, if we were on the verge of something life-changing, we would do whatever we could to make sure we were in the best shape, we're as healthy, safe, whatever, uh, uh, in as good of a position as possible. And it's not just to not get injured. I know mm -hmm. you've talked a lot about the pre-draft process. There's a big difference, potentially, in being able to get ready, uh, get ready for the pre-draft process on December 1st compared to January 12th. There's a big difference in terms of hiring an agent, working out for combine and draft-specific drills, familiarizing yourself with the process, preparing mentally for what's going to be a grueling couple of months. I just I don't get it. You are right, Kevin. I do not get it. I, I, I don't get it. And the fact that the players are the only people on campus who are, who are held to that standard. If anybody else with the football program gets an opportunity to change their lives for the better, to get a raise, to move to a brighter spotlight, you congratulate and celebrate Coach them. Petrino, every time we had this conversation, Coach Petrino, right? I, I think the biggest absurdity it pointed out is we, we don't need 40 ball games. No, 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 no. No, no, because seriously, no, no, wait, wait, wait. nobody cares about these things except for people collecting money. Check this out. If, if, if Mississippi State is playing the game and they up by, they up by 30, it's, it's, it's like the middle of the third quarter, they're going to take all the starters out. Why are you taking them out? The game is not. If you were down by 30 and you want your starters to get hurt, you're going to take them out because the game was over with. Yet, if, if I go into a game and one guy doesn't play and I can tell that one guy didn't play, I don't have that good of a team anyway. One guy... Because it's not like it's two or three guys on one team. You don't you tell that guy, thank you, congratulations. How can no, I help you prepare thing. for the next level? We're all level. on the same team. Listen, Kevin is the number one middle linebacker in the country. Been beasting people, right? We're all on the same team on the defense. If Kevin plays in the bowl game, you know what we're saying? What are you doing? As teammates, we're saying, "What, man, I love y'all. Love you too. But you have done it already. Like, you have, everybody's there. Most guys are there for the same reasons. I get it. But you're telling me the little bit of that. I have a very small inkling of leverage in college, and I'm just using it. And my coach is saying, man, you're supposed to show. Loy Listen, man, loyalty, no, get a dog. Nobody want to hear that nonsense, man. It's like I am here to try to put myself in the best possible position, but wasn't nobody saying about Mississippi State. And, you know, with all these quarterbacks transferring, maybe he's trying to say, hey, man, come in. I don't, I don't know why, uh, you know, Coach Lee is saying what he's saying, but it is one game. It is one game, and it's the – and hopefully it's going to be your last game. So I, I just think that when these people are saying these type of things, it is beyond ridiculous because players are finally doing what they always set out to do, and that's hopefully get drafted. And for those who say you got to be a first-round pick, no. Top 64 players. First and second round, if you're going to be a first-round or second round, if you don't play in it, it is fine. Do you remember Leonard Fernand not playing the bowl game? Me neither. You remember uh, Christian McCaffrey not playing the bowl game? Me neither. You're not going to miss it. It's going to be Mississippi State versus Team X. It's not going to be, I mean, you know, old boy. Liberty man. Bowl. In the Liberty Bowl. Come on, man. Stop let's cut it. Nonsense. Let's cut it down to about 10 bowl games. That's really <laughs> what, what, what we need to do uh, if we want to be real about it. we got more to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Three and out here. AP All-American teams announced Georgia putting Jordan Davis first team. Nicobe Dean on the first team. Brock Bowers making AP All-American second team. Devontae Wyatt second team. And Lewis Seen uh, was third team uh, there as well. So you have... Uh, a bunch of Georgia guys getting some national recognition uh, there, BJ and Ben, for their accomplishments here on the field. we got so much to get to in the final hour of the program. Matt Smith will join us, southernpixie.com. When we come back, we'll talk about Dan Lanning heading out to Oregon, and that transfer portal is loaded with quarterbacks 
Are they all going to find somewhere nice to land? Well, we'll get to that, talk about that in the final hour of the show. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and final hour here on this Monday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us here on three and out. We'll look at Dan Lanning leaving, taking that Oregon job. Also, the transfer portal is just cram full of guys who were making contributions here in 2021 at the quarterback position. We'll get to that a little bit later this hour as well. But joining us here off the bat, Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com, world in, uh, of college football. The wheel's always spinning there uh, in the SEC. Matt, welcome. How are you? Hey, guys. Doing well. Yeah, so much for that uh, quiet period or lull between uh, the championship games and the start of bowl season. It has been uh, nothing at all. Yeah. over the past few days. Yeah, it's just a push to get to early signing day, which is coming up on Wednesday, Matt, uh, as you know. But let's uh, let's talk about some of those things here. Bryce Young wins the Heisman. First Bama quarterback uh, to get that done. Where do you think his legacy sits around uh, the Bama circles, SEC circles, obviously with the playoffs and the potential title game still to go? Yeah, I don't think him winning came as much of a surprise given how championship weekend went down. Um, I don't know if I'd put him up among some of the great seasons we've seen in recent years. Thinking back to, to Joe Burrow, the last quarterback to win the Heisman. Um, but, yeah, that's 16 straight years now where the Heisman winner has either been a quarterback or a player for Alabama. This is the first one it's been. It's been both a quarterback and an Alabama player. So, um, you know, I, I get some pushback around this time about the Heisman, and it's just not what it is when we were growing up, whether that's because of the voting and social media and we got straw polls going on since August and, and group think. So, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Heisman, as Bino Cook used to say. You know, it goes in the first sentence of your obituary, so it's a really big deal, and that's true. Um, so a life-changing event for Bryce Young. But as far as his place, I think that's still to come. He doesn't have – not only does he have two more games left, he has another entire season to play. Um, so from a career achievement award, maybe he gets into the likes of Tebow and some of the guys we've seen that have done this multiple years as opposed to the one-year guys like Cam and Joe Burrow. Um, but from a single-season perspective, I don't think I would put him up there with those guys. But if he does win a championship, given how close Alabama was to probably being out of championship uh, contention just a couple of weeks ago down at Auburn, it will be quite a turnaround if uh, the Tide are able to pull this off and win two more games. I think a lot of people, Matt, here in the state of Georgia were a little bit surprised that all of a sudden, hey, here's this report, Dan Lanning, uh, the head coach at Oregon, or is going to be the head coach at Oregon. Uh, did you expect this this quick, maybe this job this quick for Dan Lanning? And uh, do you think this affects Georgia in a considerable way for the playoff? Uh, to your second question, BJ, no, I don't think so. Mostly because Kirby did this back in 2015 where he stayed with Alabama through their, their playoff run where they won the national championship, uh, beat Michigan State, shut out Michigan State. So obviously no effect on Alabama's defense there. So. I think he's got a plan. I'm sure Dan Lanning's got a plan. Obviously, it's going to be crazy here over the next uh, four or five days. But I don't think Georgia's truly into necessarily 100% focused on Michigan from a game planning perspective in terms of practices. Um, so I think it makes sense for the timing, at least, to, to get this done here. I think he's being introduced probably right now as we speak. And then he'll go back and have about two full weeks of prep for Michigan and go on uh, if, if they're able to win that game. So. I don't see any issue for Georgia from that perspective. Yeah, I guess it was a bit surprised. It didn't seem like he was at the top of the candidate list for Oregon. Looks like they were trending towards sticking to uh, someone on the West Coast, whether it be trying to bring Chip Kelly back or Justin Wilcox at Cal. And with Kirby kind of sticking with the one-voice mantra uh, that Nick Saban did, at, or still does at Alabama, 
you don't really hear from the coordinators much, but I did tune into the uh, the Broyles Award luncheon last week where Lanning and all the uh, all the finalists spoke, and he was super impressive. Enthusiasm was there. You can tell why he's a great recruiter, why that's going to translate to Oregon. I think he can pick up right where Mario Cristobal left off on the recruiting trail, and you know, I wasn't always super impressed with Cristobal on game days, so I think there's definitely room for improvement within that program. So, again, the, going from the southeast to the, to the west coast could be an adjustment. I think it's easier going that direction than the other for a guy like we're seeing uh, with Brian Harson, who I think is still trying to figure things out at Auburn. Um, but obviously a young guy, 35 years old, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, again, no real impact on Georgia, but fascinated to see what he can do. And for him and all the Pac-12, uh, with Washington's kind of starting over, with Oregon getting a new coach, obviously USC. And if that league can get their four big brands, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, back to the top of the conference, maybe finally we can see the Pac-12 become relevant again and start producing a playoff contender after, I guess, five years now uh, without one. And man, but but it's just a move that Oregon had to make, though. I mean, when you think about what Mario Cristobal going down uh, back to his alma mater, Miami, they had to get a big name guy that was a big name coordinator. I mean, Dan Landon was just he obviously he benefited from how this coaching carousel has been, but they needed a the guy as you mentioned, big time name that could get that could keep them where they want, as, and as well as bringing some recruits. It had to be Dan Landon, right? I don't know if it had to be, but I think it, it makes a lot of sense given you can sell this Georgia defense for sure, and he. Uh, 15, 16-year-old who's watched Georgia play football this year has seen that defense and then just envisioning what they could do playing for that. And, you know, as much credit as Kirby gets for this being his defense, I don't want to discredit Lanning, again, just more because we just don't really ever hear from him. But the limited times I've been able to listen to him talk, again, I'm super impressed. It doesn't mean he's great in the meeting rooms or anything like that. I'm obviously not there for that, but from what I've seen, I think it makes a ton of sense. And, and again, I think Oregon's getting a good one. And I don't think any of the, the culture shock type stuff, I, again, I think that's more applicable going from the West Coast into SEC country than it is from going SEC country out West. Oregon obviously recruits at a high level, not really nationally, but certainly very much in California. They've taken a ton of kids away from USC, and I expect that to continue. And, again, if, if some of the game day stuff, I think, improves from what we saw under, under Cristobal, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Oregon gets back to the level they were 10 years ago or so, running the Pac-12 and, and even competing for national championships. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, joining us. Matt, obviously we've seen the proliferation of early signing period, uh, which has kind of bumped the uh, calendar up for firing coaches, getting new coaches, and now the transfer portal. Just absolutely chock full of guys. Uh, Bo Nix, Tank Bigsby, uh, Zach Calzada, both quarterbacks at LSU. Uh, we, we've seen a number of guys from the SEC jump in. How does that affect – what could happen in two days, which is early signing period uh, across uh, not just the SEC, uh, but the country when you start saying, well, do I want a high school kid or do I want to go get a guy that's played for two, three years? Yeah, I think that's fair, especially at a place like Auburn where if you're a big-name quarterback coming in and, you know, Bo Nix is still there about to enter his fourth year as a, as a three-year starter, you're thinking, all right, well, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to get on the field next season. And, you know, for most of college football and, you know, when we were growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, the number of true freshman quarterbacks that played were so rare. But now it's almost the expectation for a big-name quarterback uh, to come in and play right away. And you see more opportunities at places like Auburn, uh, potentially Texas A&M, certainly LSU with their quarterback numbers right now. Um, so I think we could see an impact. You know, the individual names, that's that's above my pay grade to be able to speak to that. But, 
I think it does. It could change an individual person if they do have that desire to play right away. Say, I, I have no desire to sit for even one year, which is the world we live in in modern college football. <laughs> Um, I think that could have an impact on signing day and, and why that's happening right now. You know, I, I think we were thinking January, kind of after the Bulls, when all this quarterback transition would would happen, still some time to, to play your bowl games and still get enrolled to the spring semester kind of after the holidays there. But to see this sped up, I think we could see an impact later this week. That's a very astute point there, Kevin. I'm impressed. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> I've done something. I, I, I'm glad I, I, I managed to pull that off. All right, well, we cannot end the show on the, that. The, the, head is, the, the head is swelling up as we speak. I did not have another question, but now I do because no, we can't end the show on that note. But, I mean, <laughs> Matt, do you think this just mad dash to the portal is the new normal, or are we in maybe a point in time where it's, where it's trendy and uh, perhaps if it doesn't work out well for guys, maybe we see the numbers decrease in the years to come? What's kind of your feel on where this is heading for the future? Yeah, that's a, also a good point, too, BJ. You, know, you guys are on fire today. But, yeah, <laughs> I think we're a couple years away from getting the data. Um, you probably need maybe five, six, eight years of this one-time transfer rule being in effect and seeing the names that leave and what percentage are able to flourish, which ones have limited success, which ones just flame out by transferring. I think at that point is where you could see some guys start to pump the brakes. But I think for probably the next two to three years or so, this probably is the new normal. You know, it's weird for me. I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. I get off my long guy when it comes to some of this college football stuff. I get it. It's the new reality. But, yeah, I think it is the new normal. But, again, craziness, going back to, to Kevin's point earlier, and uh, guys want to play immediately, and, and there's going to be opportunity now. If you Who's the quarterback at Auburn on September 3rd? I have no idea right now. Who's it at LSU right now? I have no idea. It's, I mean, it's just so rare you could have a competition but usually would know who the guys competing for the job are we just have absolutely no idea at this point um so it's craziness but yeah as, as a big data guy i will be fascinated to kind of look at and analyze and see those numbers but i think only after a couple years of this it's going to be hard to tell whether a lot of guys are making the right or the wrong decision so fascinating to see how that plays out but yeah for the short term at least i think this will be a, a mid-december tradition of, uh, of guys hopping into the portal pretty quickly after season's event I mean, man, what, what's 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 more likely? I mean, the fact that you're probably going to have to try to find a way to sac- you know, have two quarterbacks out there on the field because both of those guys, you do, you want to keep both of those guys around, or the backup quarterback at these schools, you should be looking forward to them being, in, being you know, playing for different schools uh, the next year. Sure, yeah, I think it changes a lot of things. I, you know, I think taking two quarterbacks in a, in a class was kind of frowned, frowned upon for a while, and now some teams might just you have to, especially in certain years. Uh, just because of that depth, even going into this season, LSU was, was in bad shape once Miles Brennan got hurt. You know, it was Max Johnson, Garrett Nussmeyer, and I think a walk-on is, is number three, and that's a position you don't want to be in. But, again, that's life right now with quarterbacks wanting to play right away with the one-time uh, immediate eligibility transfer rule. That's just life right now. So it, it's crazy. It's the new normal. Um, I don't think we truly ever had a great grasp on all the ramifications of some of this stuff, but it's all kind of blowing up right now. And we're seeing, wow, just how significant of, a, of an impact some of these changes, which I think had to happen just for the sport. Um, I don't think it, it could go on without the, the immediate transfer rule, um, given what we see elsewhere and the movement of coaches. So I get why that happened. But, again, the ramifications are certainly significant, and we are seeing it play, that, play out uh, in very large numbers, especially over the past couple of weeks. Now, Matt, man, I see you being very complimentary to Kevin. Uh, you know, is it the holiday season or is it the fact that, you know, 
Old Matt Smith about to get to add dad to his name here soon, man. <laughs> yeah, coming up in a few months. I think we'll find out later this week uh, the gender, so we're looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what the 2022 college football season will be like, if I'll be able to be as uh, ridiculously invested in it as I normally am. Probably having a little one around, but uh, yeah, very exciting, and uh, I'll certainly get it to work uh, writing some recaps and running some numbers for me as, as soon as possible. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, the, his, the kid's first uh, sentence will be, did you know back in the uh, 1999 Duke's Mayo Bowl, uh, it was, or the Belts Bowl at that point, <laughs> this is what it's going to be? No, but uh, Matt, again, congratulations, uh, happy holidays, and Merry Christmas to you and your, uh, your family. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, all year long, and I appreciate you saying I made a great point because uh, <laughs> BJ doesn't think I've made a, a salient point in uh, several years now, so I appreciate you saying that. Oh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. <laughs> and that being said, see you later, Matt Smith. <laughs> and we appreciate it. Matt Smith uh, joining us here on, uh, on 3 and Out, and again, I, I think that's the interesting part here is the transfer portal to me, and we'll talk more about it, but you see guys, and it, it changes your program. Uh, a little bit where you're seeing Zach Calzada transfer. Zach Calzada, it wasn't like he's, I'm mad I wasn't playing. He played and played virtually the entirety of the season. Now, granted, you know, Haynes King got hurt, but still, he played the entirety of the season. I mean, there was a time and point where you'd say, wait a minute, I know you don't lose your job to injury, but mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I did pretty good for us. Well, uh, so it's like, uh-huh. I, so, and now it's like, well, this guy's going to yeah. get his job back. I'm he's out. And, and but you see what Matt is. said on Twitter, though? The last two quarterbacks to beat Alabama, mm-hmm. Bo Nix and Zach Calzada, yep. are in the portal. Yep. Uh, well, again, both LSU quarterbacks played this year, Gone. transferred out. Zach Calzada was a, was a starter for most of the year, out. Uh, Bo Nix has started a lot of games for Auburn yep. and out. Uh, yep. So I, I'm interested to see, like, guys that are playing Say are transferring, and that used to be hardly ever the case. No, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm going I'm to give some of these uh, player-isms here real quick. It's easy to cheer when I play. It is hard to cheer when I do not. If I've been cheering and all of a sudden I play, and all of a sudden, listen, we've seen uh, any given Sunday – uh, you know, uh, oh, oh, cause old boy's coming back. He's trying to talk to Willie Beeman. No, 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 no. Don't give me that. I want to play. Now I get this whole sportsmanship, teammate stuff. I get that part. But BJ, I don't want to go from playing to all of a sudden I'm playing because the guy got hurt. Now that the guy's coming back, it's uh, first team. No, no, because I don't know, back up. Hey, but I think no. the fear is how many guys get caught in the portal and maybe end up in a place where they didn't anticipate or don't get the opportunities that they that they hope for. The transfer portal should be called, you know, the transfer perception portal because that's what it is. You do not know once you leave where you are and you go to the unknown because all these because if I'm the only quarterback, so I'm a big fish in a small pond. I'm the only guy. If I'm a quarterback, 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 quarterback. Now it's hey, coach, man, this is something. No, hey, is this Slovis? No, coach, this is Cal- no, no. Hold on, we'll call you back. I'm, I'm telling y'all, BJ, I'm. DeAndre Francois was freshman, was ACC freshman of the year. Got hurt, went to the transfer portal, never to be seen from or heard from again. I'm telling these players this. It's about you are competing. Now, quarterbacks, you competing with recruiting classes because they want those quarterbacks. Now, everybody else, you might have a shot, but I'm just telling you. I mean, uh, the Johnson kid down there with y'all, BJ, that won uh, ACC uh, defensive player of the year, that is, a, that is the exception to the rule. That is not. So but even me, he has been at three places and, and, to, and, 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 to get and, to that and, point. And Kevin, you know, just like I know, at a certain point, look, I'm going to say this, and I can say this being a former player, if you saw, if you saw, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that right now. I am rooting for you, but if you have been in the transfer portal longer, then you have been in college. Like, 
Some of y'all, it ain't working going somewhere else. It ain't working going somewhere else. Pick, it didn't work out. You're going somewhere. Hopefully it does. Because you're going to have to compete wherever you go. Especially you want to go with these P5 schools. It's not like they're going to start getting guys that can't play. They got, you know, two or three stars next to their name. I'm rooting for these players. But if but at the end of the day, you just running from competition, I mean, the transfer portal can't even help you with that. You've got more to come here, and we'll talk more about that. So again, big names in the transfer portal. But when we come back, Dan Lanning is headed to Oregon. How does that impact Georgia getting ready for their first-round playoff game? We'll get to that next here on 3 and Out. Back here, 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin BJ and ben, Dan Lanning. What a wild kind of social media experiment that was uh, where – uh, you know, we Christian and I were up at the uh, the state championships there at uh, Center Park Stadium, and everybody's like, "Do you see Dan Lanning's going to Oregon?" See this was, oh no, no, they're they're saying that's not true. It's not true. Okay, so they came out and reported it's not true, and then like the next day, oh oh no no no, it is true. He is going to he is going to Oregon. So you look at Dan Lanning out. He's going to coach the playoffs for however long George is in it. Uh, they're a defensive coordinator, but. How do you balance that out, BJ? I know we've seen coaches take jobs and, look, you want to stick it out and finish it out for the team you're with, which I'm sure Dan Lanning does, but at the same time, you're like, man, i got to beat Utah. i got to beat Southern Cal. i got to beat UCLA here. i got to be getting that program established out in Oregon. How do you balance that between full preparation for maybe the two most important games that Georgia's going to play in, potentially the most important game if they win it, versus getting your own program rolling there in Oregon. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's much to be concerned about. I think in the in the modern era of college football, you know, you've seen this a number of times, even for – I mean, I, heck, you had a head coach whose team could have been in the playoff who just said, oh, I'm done, in, uh, in uh, Coach Kelly. So I, I think this is something you're going to see. I mean, beyond just the early signing period, and, and I think – Oregon probably without a full staff. I was just say he's the only guy, place. right? Yeah, you're 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 going to look more at the traditional signing period would be my guess or the transfer portal, but I think this is a reality that coaches can manage. Now, I do think maybe it was Dane Young earlier in the show said, "Hey, this is a little bit different than going from Alabama to Georgia because you can hop in the car and be there in 2 hours." Uh, I don't know how long of a flight you guys are more cross country travelers than me. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's at least three. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do think Oregon is on uh, Pacific time. But, yeah, but, but I mean, how long is that flight from Atlanta? It's at, least, uh, well, at least at least three and a half, four hours. Yeah. I mean, it, three, yeah. So I think that's a little bit different, but I still think it's manageable. You're talking about a situation where a lot of what he needs to do for Oregon, even if it's kind of not necessarily immediately time-sensitive he can do from Athens, right, where I'm assembling my staff, I'm reaching out to potential coaches or targets. You can – I mean, I, I would guess you can recruit for Oregon while being the head coach at Oregon and also the defensive coordinator yes. for Georgia. And I think it's manageable. Um, will it dramatically impact what we see out of UGA against Michigan? I don't think so because not only is Dan Lanning a professional, but, I mean, look at the guys that are on that defensive staff. Look at the leaders that are on that team defensively. So I think Georgia Georgia will be well prepared and will play well against Michigan. Um, if, if you had kind of your ideal way to draw it up, I don't know that you would put this – in the script, but I think it's something you can manage, and I think Georgia will handle it. It's, it's definitely going to impact the game because, Kevin, BJ, you know, just like I know, everything now is uh, clickbait. What's really going to make – because as soon as it came out, BJ, we was on the show and we reported it and it came out and said it was inaccurate. I said, no, number one, I don't think the AJC would put their credibility at stake for, for putting out – they put out, what, hundreds of stories a day or whatever 
they're not going to let Dan Lanning being the head coach of Oregon be the reason why, you know, they get sued or whatever because it was not true. I get it when it goes back to what USC did with Lincoln Riley. No one knew until he, until he, until he was there. It's hard to keep this stuff under wraps. But Georgia better be lucky their brand is bigger than the guy who's pushing their brand. If Dan, if Dan Lanning was a big enough name, it would affect them. But George is such a big brand, it's not going to affect them like that from recruiting as well as like the game. I don't want to hear about, oh, that's why they didn't win in the ACC championship game. They didn't win because of Alabama and Bryce Young. That had nothing to do because Dan Lanning was right there on the sideline. I think that when you think about the impact of Dan Lanning, is, is what you said, Kevin. It's the, this is all about the early sign of their effect. I want to have my coach, even if I ain't got the players. Because if I'm the player, I'm thinking, well, who am I going to be coaching on? The crystal ball is down there in Miami. Who am I going to be? And when you hit Dan Lanning, then you hit Dan Lanning. Defensive coordinator, Georgia, 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 Georgia. Oh, okay, because people don't fact this in. You, you get a coach, you want a coach that's coming from a big brand if he's going to be over a big brand. Like, Georgia, is, it doesn't get much bigger than that brand. Oregon, I think he can handle it. Now, I'm pretty sure, don't, don't do the Brian Kelly. If you got a country accent, just talk the way you talk. <laughs> don't because to me, I don't think that part has to be done. Dan Lanning is a guy coming in with a with a with a you know with a really really good resume on a defense that's really really hard to compare anything to it. But Oregon had to make a splash, and BJ when it came out, we were both, we, we were sitting, we went, whoa, Dan Lanning going to Oregon, and everybody was like, that can't be true, can't be true. And the next day, it was true. I do think it's going to affect those players because at the end of the day. You go, to a, you go to a team for, for three reasons. The first one is the head coach. Then the college and university. Then your position coach. That's how it goes. That's how it's always going to go. And Dan Lanning, I mean, is one of those guys where if you, if, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is right there, he, I mean, he, he's, he's, gone, he's going in the draft. How many guys on that Georgia defense could Dan Lanning have got to go to Oregon? If all you care about is going to the league and you want a big brand to push you, well, Oregon has all that. Check, check, and check. And... Just like you don't have to worry what you got to worry about USC. Oregon is the best team right now in the Pac-12, regardless if Lincoln Riley is a USC. So I do think Dan Lanning was a home run. But you're going to have to go out there and get it done because I say this too. When I am responsible for one side of the football and I got a mountain of a man named Jordan Davis in the middle and I had Roquan Smith and, you know, I had, I had some big-time players, I don't know how many, I don't know how many, you know, those guys you're gonna get out of Oregon, but if you can improve that defense with an offense that you know gonna be electric, they got a chance to be well, really good really fast. Well, I, just, I, I look at it and say this is a big chance for Oregon, right? I mean, it is in some ways not quite as similar to what Georgia did with Kirby Smart, but Kirby Smart, nope, not been a head coach. It could have gone really well or really badly. And I think people say, well, he's under the saving tree. We feel like it's gonna go really well. Uh, and it has. Dan Landing now goes to Again, you could say maybe you don't think they're playoff worthy, but they are one of the top ten, certainly, programs, regardless of were they 8-4 and four this year, whatever. It's that they are a program because of the Phil Knight money and all that that people recognize around college football. How good of a fit is it for Dan Lanning, but how big of a chance is this for Oregon taking a guy that is taking on that role for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – when you hire a coordinator, if you hire a coordinator that's, that's been with a Saban, a Dabo, a Kirby Smart, you know, there's an extra level of comfort because of who you've learned from and maybe who your mentor uh, potentially is. I, I, think, I think Oregon did their due diligence, and I think Dan Lanning's ready 
to be a head coach. 35 years old, so we've seen a couple. I think Marcus Freeman's around 35, yeah. Dan Lanning around 35. So you've seen some young coaches get opportunities, and I think these are guys that are ready, that, mm-hmm. have, that have earned these opportunities. It is interesting, though, the angle of being Oregon's head coach while also being Georgia's defensive coordinator, and in some ways, and they're going to play next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, they open the season. Was it, was it, was it Coach Loxley? Did he get hired as the Maryland head yeah, coach? Yeah, now, yeah. I, this, now this is the norm because once again, I mean, Oregon. What is Oregon supposed to do? Hey, man, let's give Georgia some time. No, 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 no. We want him right now, and you and and you can do both. No, but let me say this: I think some people have speculated. Oh, does is is Dan Lanning not one hundred percent focused on? on the upcoming playoff, I think if there's a way for this to even be possible, there's more focus. Because the last thing he wants is for Georgia to come out, give up 497 total yards, and all of a sudden the storyline is, well, not only is Dan Lanning, you know, leaving Georgia and he, you know, <laughs> he, he he did them wrong, but now is this guy really that good? He's going to Oregon and he's gotten, you know, his defensives have gotten torched in their last two games. So if there could be more pressure for Dan Lanning to perform better, I think it's there now because he feels like instead of having to appease one fan base, now you're having to appease two fan bases. So in some ways, I kind of think like uh, along the lines of there being maybe more of a motivator to go the extra mile, to you know stay up one minute later, to watch 10 more seconds of film, if that's even possible, I don't think there's going to be a distraction. I don't. I don't think we understand how rare it is for assistant coaches to get even head coaching opportunities. This is not we, – we, we talking about these big names. How many guys will be an assistant coach their entire career? They will never, ever get head coach consideration. Yeah, Bud Foster, Mickey yeah, Andrews. And how, how many, yeah, how many, how many guys, BJ and Kevin, will get a chance to say, I got to coach at a, at a big brand? So, if you're Dan Lanning, you did what you were supposed to do. I took the defense from, from as good as it was to a level we've never seen. Period. Not in the SEC. Period. How many, how many defenses have given up less than 90 points in the regular season? That will be 2021 Georgia. So I do think when you look at what a, what a coach, the first thing you want a coach to do is to be able to recruit. Check. You want a coach to be able to have coach and pressure situations against big-time players in big-time games. Check. And, Kevin, like you said, who did he get coached under? Kirby Smart. So he's got to be able yeah, of course he's going to take some of what Kirby taught him and, take, and bring it out there to Oregon. And, at, and now – Think about where he was recruiting that area, and now he gets to add that. Hey, Oregon, now we get to recruit in areas that Oregon probably wouldn't have even dreamed of getting the guy. I'm in SEC country, pulling play, SEC, ACC country, pulling guys to the Pac-12. So I think, but once again, he can do no wrong because he has coached no games yet. But when, but when he get out there, he's going to have to prove it because Kevin and BJ, they're going to compare him to what, he, what Georgia did as a team, not just as a defense. And they're going to hope that, with, like I said, with Oregon's offensive firepower to and with a defense, they should be running the Pac-12. Now, you're going to have to tell Lincoln Riley that. You're going to have to tell Arizona State that and so on and so forth. But I think, I think Oregon got that guy. And if you was a guy that was potentially going to Georgia, maybe you consider, you know, putting on that, uh, that John Deere green out there. That, I mean, that might be a consideration. Better now. put on a jacket, too. Well, I mean. I'm going to say, you, you think a lot of guys maybe are going to go from the deep south to, to Oregon? Uh, one word, Nike. Yep, they will. I mean, with NILs and all those other guys, he got to have some level of – Kayvon Thibodeau signed, signed a Nike deal. I mean, I can't even spell his last name. I have met him before, and I got a picture to prove <laughs> it. But I, I, I just think, Kevin and BJ, don't overthink this thing. Oregon, like you said, Kevin, is a top-10 brand, period, in sports and in college, in college athletics. You get a name like Dan Landon, who some, some people know him, some people don't. That's every coach. You take the top 20 coaches in college football, and unless you're a college football fan, they're going to say, Nick Saban, who are these guys? Most people don't know who these guys are. 
But I bet you Dan Landing, when he saw that, listen, when he saw when he saw them when he saw them zeros, Mrs. Landing, like, boy, if you don't sign that contract right now, but I don't think it's gonna hurt Georgia. If if Kirby Smart has his defense according to 2022, Dan Landing didn't do his job, and Kirby Smart didn't do a good enough job of pushing that man as one of the best uh, young coordinators you know, in college football. And again, he will do both. He will be the head coach of Oregon and coach Georgia until however long Georgia's run is here in the playoffs. We've got more to come. We talked about the playoff or the transfer portal earlier. There are some huge names in that portal. Where do they all go? We'll get to uh, that next. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's three and out here on this Monday. Transfer portal is about as hot as early signing period coming up on uh, Wednesday. Harrison Bailey from Tennessee, Miles Brennan, Zach Calzada, Quinn Ewers has gone to Texas. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, Max Johnson, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Spencer Rattler, Keaton Slovis, all in the transfer portal right now. Uh, BJ and Bennett's quarterbacks. I mean, this thing is loaded with guys who have played, played a lot of football, and, and played at a high level. Are there enough slots for all these quarterbacks? Because, well, I mean, you're nodding your head, but Ben, you've made the point. Possibly to just make somebody else transfer. Yeah, yeah I, but I mean, you've made the point about if you're a edge rusher, yep. you can go and be a part of a collection of edge rushers. Yep. If you're an offensive lineman, you can go and be a part, potentially, a rotation, yep. wide receiver. Five, five. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. DBs, you know, more than four guys are going to play. Play slot corner movement. Yep. Yeah, for the most part, Guys at quarterback want to be the quarterback, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't see a ton of multi quarterback systems in today's college football. I mean, Kevin just read off a list, and keep in mind the transfer portal can continue for the start of the twenty twenty two season all the way through the end of spring. I mean, are there going to be enough spots for all of these guys who I assume want to walk in and be the number one guy, or at least have the edge to compete to be the number one guy? Are all of these guys going to end up being the number one guy? Is what I'm getting at. No. Mm-mm. They're not going to be the number one guy. But, BJ, I don't think this comes down to uh, am I going to be the number one guy? Do I think I'm better than the number one guy you currently have? Because I think these guys want to go to a situation where, right, that they want to compete for a starting spot. That's that's how, that's how recruiting – like when people start talking about recruiting, that's how recruiting is. I am looking at who you currently have. Now, people talk about uh, uh, Archie Manning, Right. He's gonna go. He's gonna go to Alabama in 2023. Well, I'm sorry, it's 2021. Bryce Young will be a what? A red, a red shirt junior, and he's gonna be getting ready to go pro. I was about to say Bryce Young will be in the NFL. But that's what I'm saying. So I, I, I think, I think what happens in this situation is BJ. Yes, there are slots because okay, Alabama slot field, right? LSU open slot. Kentucky open slot. South Carolina open slot. Tennessee slot field. But you want, but you want, but you still want have have a solid number two, because then the hooker didn't start off the year as as the uh, as a starter. Oh, I mean, Ohio State thought they had a, a guy behind C.J. Stroud. No, he's at, he's at a uh, he's at Texas now. He's going to Texas. There are a lot of open slots when it comes to the quarterback position. And think about it this way: I am not doing my due diligence if I'm on campus and I can get a guy that's already been to college and understand what college is. Quarterback's room gonna have about five or six guys. Four of those guys in there know I'm gonna get. I'm gonna know all the plays. I'm gonna be on the sideline, and I'm not gonna play. That that just that 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 is the reality of, of of college football. But all these guys have have started both both started quarterbacks at LSU. Gone both of them. Now BJ, some of these guys reality is about to set in. 
Because you got to ask yourself, in order to get in order to get a shot in college football, you have to be a priority, not an option. You have to be a, now at the quarterback position. You got to be a, you got to be a priority. Because if I bring you on, I got to be able to live with these guys that's already in this locker room saying, Coach, you don't think we're good enough? Hell no. If I brought him in here, I want, I want to be able to win. So it, it, it just happens. So I do think, BJ, there because there aren't a lot of open slots. USC. That's what I'm getting slots. at. But the thing is, too, know this, though. You won't get but one more shot at quarterback. Because they're going to say, hey, man, wait a minute. You told me that when you was at you know, Team X, they, they was doing this and doing that. Well, we gave you this and you – so don't think you're going to get all these slots after this, especially the young man, yours or whatever, that's going to Texas. Because I remember he, he missed his entire senior year because of the NIL to not play football. And then he finished. He, well, he's, didn't gonna, he also get a million dollars? I'm not. Listen, 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 BJ, get your money. But he better be the show enough when he get to Texas because, you know, you know what they're already saying, right? We're back. They are, they're already doing it, which we know that ain't the truth. I mean, didn't Emmanuel Acho say that, uh, uh, Texas had Texas has Texas gonna miss a bowl game since like 2018. They missed the bowl game like three like three years ago. So I but I do think because of the quarterbacks and obviously quarterbacks run football, not just college football. Every last one of these guys got a shot. But understand your options might not be what you thought they were. You might get a chance to play them, just might not be what you thought it was gonna be. I just I just am curious. Like Matt said, Matt Smith earlier in the hour said, you know. It used to be not that long ago, and, I, and, and, and I'm all for guys doing what guys want to do, but not that long ago you could be at the end of one season, look ahead to the next season and say, yeah, LSU's quarterback's either going to be this guy or maybe a competition between these two. This is going to happen at Florida. This is going to happen at Georgia. And you could do that for most programs. And I'm just curious as to how all this is going to play out. And I don't, I don't know why guys are transferring, uh, transferring. It might not just be playing time. It might not just be because I want to be the guy. There could be other reasons. Well, I, but, I, I, ho- I, I hope that's the reason. Well, yeah, but, 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 but what I'm getting at is on paper, you know, the first – tweet I see that says quarterback X, and, and I admittedly do it more with quarterbacks, is transferring in my mind. I go, okay, where would he be a good fit? Or, or, or where is there a quarterback opening? Because you mentioned it. Alabama's got their quarterback for next mm-hmm. year. You know, mm-hmm. Ohio State's got their quarterback mm-hmm. for next year. Tennessee's got their quarterback mm-hmm. for next year. So you start kind of running through the checklist in your mind of where could they go and at least in theory be the favorite to start. And now that you're getting, Kevin, you, you mentioned the names, to a point in the portal where there are – 12, 14 plus quarterbacks who have mm-hmm. been who have been full year starters. When you start to kind of play that game in your mind, it's it's hard to come up with answers. And I'm not, you know, just because I or somebody else thinks that doesn't mean that's the reality. But kind of playing that mental game, Kevin, of okay, this guy's going to go here, this guy's going to go here. You start to wonder wh- wh- where is everybody going to go. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's uh, to me the more interesting thing is like you said is the projecting ahead is how rosters get transformed. Because of the transfer portal, like Alabama will lose guys, but again, Alabama's going to reload uh, in that recruiting class. Mm-hmm. We've seen mm-hmm. LSU lost almost their whole quarterback room. Uh, we were going down uh, talking about it earlier today. Georgia Tech, as of right now, I think has lost every running back on their roster except one due to transfers or going to the NFL or getting out. So, how do you keep up? How do you maintain? How do you change change a roster? when you are seeing your roster completely uh, renovated by, by transfer. I'm just using those as two examples. I know it's happening uh, everywhere else where teams are losing half their wide receivers or teams are losing, uh, you know, all their backup linebackers. It's like, yeah, how do you as a coach look at your administration and go, look, I know you're paying me to win games, but I, I may not even know who my, my defense is 
uh, in, in the next couple weeks. Uh, at least guys that can play, I may have to rebuild again because guys transfer out. So uh, it's, to me, that's the more interesting part of this whole thing is how rosters are ripped apart, i.e., are you basically uh, Miami Marlinsing uh, college football rosters? Not because of money paid, but because guys want to go elsewhere and you simply can't sustain any kind of consistent program or team because the roster turnover is so great. You want to blame anybody? Blame, blame your Heisman Trophy one that's not named Bryce Young. Ain't nobody say nothing? Uh, no, I'm not, say, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not talking yeah. about you, Kevin. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence. These, these are transfers. Trevor Lawrence was not a transfer. Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. I'm sorry. Joe, Joe Burrow. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Clemson fans. But, yeah, Joe Burrow. But the thing is, though, Kevin, I will say this. You know why we ain't really saying nothing? Because our teams could use quarterbacks. And I, you ask me which one I want, whichever one they can get. Whichever. Because cause, cause you know, cause this is who Florida used to get. We didn't get, we didn't get Joe Burrows. We got Applebee, Del Rio. <laughs> I'm just saying, BJ, that was a t- What? BJ, at the end of the day, the only Del Rio I want to talk about is Jack Del Rio, who was one of the best coaches you had at your, at your Jacksonville Jaguars. But, listen, before you talk trash about these players, he might be wearing your team's colors in 2022. Yeah, and, again, a lot to play out with that transfer portal. We got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Something great happened today. I just want to share it here on the show. I know BJ enjoys these type things. Ben, you might as well. But Georgia Southern today in women's basketball defeated Carver College. 133 to 15. Carver shot 12%. Man, I love that. I love those things. 12%, one of six from the from the free throw line. Three of their starters scored, and one of their starters had 11 turnovers. That is just amazing to see. That's stuff I can't turn away from. That is the second largest margin of victory by a Division I team in an NCAA game. Do you know who has the first? Who holds the was it for was the it large? Western Carolina over like Tacoa Falls or something? It's an this women's basketball. Okay, so, uh, UConn over somebody. UConn. That's over. a good thought. Good thought. No, Tennessee. The record for the largest margin of victory by a Division One women's team in NCAA history happened in 2018, and that record is held by Baylor, uh, South Carolina. The Savannah State Tigers. What? They beat Wesleyan out of Georgia 155 to 26. So number one is Savannah State. Number two is Georgia Southern. That is correct. Talk about it. But act like you, you know. Don't walk out here. You get a butt whipping. Wasn't that score like 99 to 8? It was 99 to 9 at the end of the third quarter. Kevin, if you are the team that has I love nine, games like Kevin, that. if you are the head coach of the team that has nine, do you go, come on, ladies. Let's pick it up. No, I just say keep keep jacking it up. It can't get any worse. Like, BJ knows this. And it's not because I'm just like, you know, I love a good train wreck, and that is certainly what that At is. At the end of that game, I the love post-game it. press conference, like, man, what happened? Listen, we shoot till we hot, we shoot till we cold. Shooter wasn't really on, but I told him just keep shooting. They just wasn't hitting the bottom of the net. And at the end of the day, hey, there's a shot clock. They got to put it up. We're just going to go out. What is more disrespectful? They run the shot clock down and shoot it, or we just stand there for, for 30 seconds while you're like, you're so pathetic, we're just going to stand here for 30 <laughs> seconds and end the game and give the ball back to you. What's more disrespectful? Honestly, honestly, you quit playing or you play the game and you just get beat 130. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. Dang right. Play to win the game. And we are who they thought they were. And if I was the Carver coach, I'd walk in there and go, well, kind of got away from us today. It's just one. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just and it's, it's just one loss. Yes. What's you know? the uh, What's the tweet? They got us in the second half. Yeah, they got. Yeah, yeah. They, they came. They came out. They came out. Uh, mm-hmm. 
they you know have time adjustment. They you know they got the yeah. best of us today. When you it, guys lost by 100, and I don't care what the score was. We got better. Look at the rebound. Yeah, when they lost. Up, my math is not great. I'm gonna say 117. Listen, math is not. Listen, that is one. When I got this job, y'all told me we do not have to do math on this show, so I'm not finna start. No, today. that's our only rule: no adding or subtracting live on the radio. 118, excuse me. See, <laughs> and that's why, and that <laughs> right there is why we lost by 117. What? What? Oh, guys, you got bad news. That's what you get. It was 118. <laughs> I know we got 12 seconds left on the show. How about that? Uh-oh. Are we, are, we, are we good with that, math? We got more to come tomorrow. Maybe we'll see if there's another blowout in sports we can bring to the table. If you missed any portion of the show, ESPNCoastal.com. Go to our YouTube page. You can get a podcasted version of 3 and Out each and every day as well. We'll see you tomorrow. 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.